0: 1976. I know that's right! Pardon me, are you Aaron Burr,
1: sir? That depends. Who's asking? Oh sure, sir. I'm Alexander Hamilton. I'm at your service, sir. I have been looking for you. I we just don't deserve the mashups on TikTok. I love these. This is uh DJ James, and it's Cardi B's up with Aaron Burr, sir. I, I i feel like the rest of the world has left hamill fandom but i'm still stuck in 2016 <laughs> forget 1776 tw- tw- 2016 um what would it say chicago illinois pardon me are you beth air in five depends who's asking oh sure that's right i'm katherine m kennedy that kind of works it kind of works <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Don't worry, I find myself insufferable, too. I am Kate Kennedy, your host. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm so happy you're here. This is an episode from a series we call Kate Lila, where I answer listener voicemails named after my favorite radio host, one Delilah of Delilah fame. I love to talk through your questions, pop culture, sentimental advice honestly anything i was shook by how many voicemails i had this week and i had to pick them at random and i think i'm going to do some of the rest of them on patreon because i was having too much fun thank you so much for your patience um this has been a weird week i uh we're trying our apartment's showing because it's for sale and we're renters and we don't want to buy this place if i was going to buy a place i don't think it'd be in the city and i think i would need another bedroom and whatever it's a whole thing i don't want to complain but it has been interesting uh, having to pop in and out of my apartment and clean it to a level of spotlessness that just isn't the standard I live my life against <laughs> every time I leave and it cuts into recording and sound and yeah, a year into the pandemic, I still can't go back to the studio, so I'm still recording at my house. So thank you for your flexibility. I like to think the fun of Be There in Five is like you never know when it'll show up just like myself at a house party. But alas, here we are. I hope you had a good week. That mashup I played is by DJ underscore Yames on TikTok. It was Cardi B up uh ex Aaron Burser. I also have one to um I think it's Aaron Burser, the Skylar Sisters and Candy Shop, which I still can play on the recorder. That seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> Peak pandemic crisis, like doing episodes about dipping sauces, um, playing the recorder on air. Like, was I okay? Were we all okay? Um you know, it's funny, like out and about in Chicago, I mean, it's just it, 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 spring has sprung kind of like when everybody um, submitted their Facebook album titles. The, the <laughs> By far, the most celebrated season was spring. It was like spring, spring, sprung, spring-a-ling-a-ding-dong, spring break, breaking spring, uh, like get your head sprung, LL Cool J, lols, and um, you know that's how it feels I feel like everyone is like masked and at a safe distance but like really uh, trying to get back out there and I talked about this a bit on Instagram earlier this week I just I don't know how to feel I don't like I all I wanted for so long was for there to be an end in sight for things to go back to normal but after a year, what is normal? And we've almost been thrust back into another period of uncertainty where our new normal feels just as uncertain to me as it did when we were exiting out of our former normal, our formal, nope, doesn't work. Um, Does that make sense? Like it's, it's the phases of uncertainty never end. And I think we all, for peace of mind even, just hoped we could look to a day when everything would Uh, the pieces would fall back into place where they were, but they can't. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I feel like I've changed a lot this past year. A lot of my friendships changed, relationships, like, you know, conversations you didn't want to have or hadn't had yet, but maybe needed to. In some cases, they've strengthened. In some cases, they've caused distance. Uh, I feel like a comical level of codependency to my husband. I feel like uh, a lot of people, I feel very lucky that I feel I've developed a deep appreciation for my relationship amidst pandemic. Cause I've really didn't get sick of him. We still really had a nice time together um, and watching him have conversations, uh, you know, whether it was about politics or the pandemic or race or whatever it was like with friends and stand up for what we both think is right. And I've never really like seen him in that context of having to, take things on with people and it made me deeply attracted to him if I already wasn't. But also um, I just like feel lucky that it kind of brought us closer together, but we're very not codependent. Like we, we very much do our own thing. We've been together for so long and I feel a bit like a pandemic puppy now. Uh, Cause I've left a couple of times in the past month or two. And I, it's funny, like I'm a little out of sorts uh, and he left town this week and I was just like pacing Singing to the dog. We did the high school musical choreography together. I watched Wish Upon a Star, one of the finest films of our time with Catherine Heinkel. I love a switching body story. And I do think Wish Upon a Star is superior to Freaky Friday. And I know that's controversial. If I'm going to watch a Jamie Lee Curtis movie, I'm obviously watching My Girl. Um, but anyway, guys, I, 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 I'm having some anxiety about returning back to life because it's like this is all I wanted. But now I don't know where to go or who to call or where I belong <laughs> and like it's normal, but it's not, uh, we still don't really have like concerts and events. I'm excited. Cause most of my loved ones that are higher risk or older or, um, friends that are essential workers or essential adjacent, are vaccinated. I'm kind of comically low on the list. I, I think Chicago is at like phase one C. I'm like, po- podcasters are like Z44. I, I'm like, yeah, so I don't have to interact with anybody. Uh, the person at highest risk of getting COVID for me is my microphone. Um, I just speak remotely to people through their ears and never come into contact with them. And it's like, yeah, no one one will give me a vaccine. Um, So I'm interested to see how this unfolds. I I know a lot of people who have like finagled them or showed up when other people haven't showed up and all that. But like, I am horrified, like karmically, that I just just know uh, there's people that are more high risk that are out in the field of life that deserve it more. And I just like I'm pained at thinking of taking somebody's spot. Um, but until I feel clear that that's not the case, um, I'm going to chill. I'm getting, I want to get vaccinated like ASAP, but I'm just kind of, Illinois is not really the same as other places I've noticed, um, in terms of what I understand to be your qualifications to get on a list to sign up. But anyways, and a lot of people are on like vaccine hunter Twitters, which I, I don't know. I'm kind of like. I'm, i'll just stay inside this is, that's the joke it's like i'll just stay inside a little longer and like wait till everyone's good and get mine in due time i don't feel this like rush because again i don't know where to go or what to do um tomorrow i'm getting some more um i'm like re-piercing some of my extra holes on my ears that closed up that's really exciting i might get a, get a house plant um so anyway yeah huge sexy weekend over here I don't even know what my point is other than to share in case anybody else feels the same. Like it's weird when you want something so badly this, that the isolation and trauma and misery of this past year, you you would think there would be like this moment. um, I'm coming out. I want the world to know, you know, put on some jorts live my best life in a crop top. I don't know. Like it, it, when I picture myself feeling happy, I'm like spinning in a field, listening to cruel summer, which is basically just lover fest, which is still canceled. <laughs> so anyway, my hope, I guess now the thing I'm looking forward to the most is getting back out on the road. If that ever happens. Um, so stay tuned. We're having early conversations about that. I'm just kind of waiting to see what the vibe is. Like, I want to know your comfort. Lo- like I'm not going to plan shows and stuff for later this year, not knowing where we are and then put people in a weird spot i don't know it's crazy you guys anyway i hope everyone else is doing well um what else happened this week oh i came out with my latest um, spotify collection of playlists there are eight playlists and the first four um, making bead lizards inflatable chair lounging pensively playing solitaire and mismanaging romantic expectations were more about my adolescence and now we've moved into college era which i went to college 2005 to 2009 i'd say this is pretty relevant to anybody like 2000 to 2012, uh, musically, but I tried to make these playlists cause, uh, I'm in a six month contract with uh, Spotify to make monthly playlists and promote Spotify premium. It's the coolest job I've ever had. And the exact type of brand partnership I've tried to hold out for that. I feel like I can really add value to, and that you guys would actually care about. Um, and I've really had so much fun trying to capture really hyper specific emotions and kind of leverage the sensitive gal in me that had trouble having fun in college by being able to access those emotions, especially through music. And, um, you know, like one of the ones I have is an ode to uh, collegiate male bedding. It reminds me of frat basements and late nights and bars closing and uh, fist pumping music when we were saying things like fist pumping and, you know, going into a stunning, uh, male dorm or perhaps, uh, off-campus apartment and, like relishing in the art that is a wall flag and the decor that is all those empty liquor bottles, sometimes with glow sticks in them uh, above those mid tone wood cabinets in a shitty kitchen. Uh, I called this playlist singular lumpy Wait, Navy sheets, singular lumpy pillow because everyone I ever had a crush on did indeed have that bedding. God forbid, you know, you've got to share the lumpy pillow. You were one of the chosen ones. Me not so much um why do dudes have dark bedding it's really interesting why do dudes why do men not have bed frames like what i told you guys when i met greg i was like you have furniture like you he was wearing a coat like a pea coat i was like dang it's just so it like the, the, <laughs> i mean greg is fantastic but the bare minimum i mean it's just i was like turned on that uh he, he didn't just have a box spring on the floor um but yeah navy Sheets, one uh, singular lumpy pillow is like 80s, um, but also it's kind of like 80s, 90s bangers, like, you know, the Bon Jovi white snakes of the world, but also like semisonic closing time, Wagon Wheel, Dixieland Delight, songs I remember hearing at the end of the night when things were wrapping up, very frat boy. I have um, what were my uh, like breakup anthems, sad and empowering uh, so like, you know, you'll go Wonderwall, Bleeding Love, uh, you know, Damien Rice Levels of Despair, but also like since you've been gone, Kelly Clarkson, Beyonce to the left, to the left, Jojo, Too Little, Too Late. Um, that one's called uh, Always a Cooler Painter, Never a Formals Date because fraternities had this thing where it, you would go to like Myrtle Beach or I don't know, Smith Mountain Lake or like Gatlinburg or another classy location in the mountains or on the beach. They would have their formals off site. And if you went, you would make your date a cooler and you would paint it like with brand logos or like, you know, you know, brown quotes, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think, said, I Live for the night you'll never remember with a friend you'll never forget, stuff like that. And um anyway, I never got invited to a formal, but I'm artistic and can draw and paint. So I was always making the coolers for my friends' boyfriends when they were all getting ready and having fun and excited to go away on this formal I wasn't <laughs> invited to. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Always a cooler painter, never a formal state. So, like, these are very real emotions for me. Um, I also have – anyways, this is boring. Sorry. I, I like I, – I wish there was a hybrid way for me to talk through the playlists I make uh, and – it's almost like a hybrid podcast playlist because like Delilah, I wish I could play the music and talk you through it. Like I want to explain the order. I want to explain the songs and the memories behind them. I want to explain why I chose what I did and didn't what I didn't. Cause people will DM me and be like, obviously this playlist is missing X. And I'm like, there's a reason for that. Or like if it's coming up later, if it belongs somewhere else, or if that song is like triggering for me because somebody probably broke up with me in a fast casual eatery, like an Arby's when that song was playing, like who the hell knows. Um, But yeah, I like I wish I could talk through them because I don't know. I just so much fun putting them together. And um, like I have a couple of the ones that are like peak grind culture, like super explicit. What I think are dance or non-negotiables It's called less uh, ABC one, two, three, more three, six, nine. Damn, she fine. Because a lot of them are podcast inside jokes. And then I have one that's called Are We Going Out? Are We Going Out Out? Because it's in po- like I th- one of my favorite memories of life is it, the the two most empowering arenas I find where I'm with other women are drunk in a bathroom after 1am or getting ready for the night ahead and the anticipation of not knowing where you're going, who you're going to see, trying on outfits, asking people what they like, smothering bronzer on your face, like the aggressive hair straightening that was happening when I could afford a chi with that FU Bev cart, uh, you know, girl money that I got this like patterned chi straightener and just fried my hair. Um, and you would ask, are we going out are we going out out? Because out could be an apartment party, it could be a casual gathering, it could be girls only. I need to know if we're going out or out, out, because out out dictates how much I will drink beforehand, how cute I'll look, who I might be seeing, and how I need to dictate my outfit accordingly. And it was just like to me, a universal girl distinction that um we talked about in the Facebook albums episode that I never forgot because I, I just thought it was so deeply important. Um, similarly, I have an album called or a playlist called, I found my camera cord, because I just think that's a hilarious thing that everyone titled their random ass albums during mass mobile upload phase. And I found my camera cord was such a source of anxiety because it, it it would be horribly curated, unflattering point and shoot photos from like the past two months when your friend was missing a run of the mill USB cord. And to get that notification, you've been tagged in like 94 photos. Whew. <laughs> it was it was always a journey. And then standards board, would just go through every photo and put an X on every single one that wasn't allowed to be up. And essentially the, you know, your friend Lindsay would have to take down all but three photos. Cause we're, it's just like us in beer towers. <laughs> it's like so ridiculous. Um, and that one is more like the, 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 you know, top 40 I love and fun music to get ready to, whether it's buttons, check on it. Jeremiah is down on me. Um, you know, my uh, stiletto pumps by crime mob is one of my like all time favorites. Um, you know, there's some songs that are really good on the dance floor, but not necessarily like grind music. Like Juvenile back that ass up is not the same as Cameron's Hey Ma. Two great songs, two different purposes. But I found my camera cord is like my, some of my favorite country music that reminds me of being outside, playing like fraternity field games or philanthropy events, laying out, driving to the beach or a pool, like ha- living in Blacksburg for summer, just like happy country memories that I only listened to this type of music when I had a car and could put the windows down. Anyways, I mean, there's there's eight of them. There's a bunch. Um, there's one that's imprinting on a GDI, which means goddamn independent, which, like, is such a dumb term that you never hear after college, but it makes me laugh thinking about it. And I was actually mostly interested in GDIs because I thought, I don't know, I just, I thought most frat guys are assholes and they wouldn't pay attention to me anyway, like mattress shorts are the official pant of somebody that wouldn't pay attention to me, or critters. Um so, I, I did like a GDI. And when I say imprinting, yes, I do mean the um, creepy lifelong admiration that one Jacob Black did feel toward Todd the Renesme. But in my case, I would imprint on a GDI with music that I didn't really like, but I would pretend to like because, I don't know, was anybody else in the mid aughts not doing hot girl Ship by just saying they liked Wilco? Uh, I, I just, <laughs> I'd be like, I love your wall tapestry. Do you listen to Mo, period? They're my favorite. <laughs> but it's music I grew to really love. Um... Like, Grateful Dead, Touch of Grey is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. I wouldn't have really ventured into Grateful Dead if not to impress boys. I wouldn't have really ventured as far as I did into OAR, but I took that oar up a creek and sailed my way into loving, heard the world, uh, hey girl, crazy game of poker. Um, I freaking love the song Home. I would talk about Dave Matthews guitar riffs in number 41, how amazing it is live. I I would, you know... I don't know. Amber was the color of my energy. That was my vibe. I was I it was stuff I pretended to like that I ended up really loving um, when I just would pretend to smoke joints. I I don't understand how people smoke joints. I don't understand how people uh, smoke bowls like I'm, I don't know if I'm not cool or if something's wrong with my the way I breathe. I don't get how you pull it and then suck it in. And my whole life I've been bad at it. I can't vape. I can't do any of it. I want to be cool. I w- do you think somebody like me doesn't want to be chill? Doesn't want to like numb themselves out? Oh, I love the numb remix with Linkin Park and Jay-Z. I need to find a playlist for that if I haven't already. Um it just I don't know. What it, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me. But again, I am the I have the narkiest vibes in town. Nobody's ever asking or inviting me to do drugs. It's kind of unfortunate. Not cuz I want to do them just because I don't like to be left out all right you guys let's get into some questions shall we i do want to shout out my sister kelly actually she's been a huge part of this podcast by the time this comes out she'll probably be driving through albuquerque or something kelly so i had to Troy bolton and the gang she's moving to san diego for a really awesome job at a great company um that was largely networked by one of the Beths because you guys are freaking amazing and um i'm just really proud of her like We were talking about recently how life is short, but also life is long. And if you want to move somewhere for a year or two, do it. Like You should. You can always move back. People aren't going anywhere. Your relationships can maintain themselves. We like to think that location or space or time can dictate the fate of our interactions or strength of our relationship with people when it's up to us to maintain them. You can make it what you want. Um, I was actually born in San Diego. Kelly was born in Orange County. So I was my brother. We're Southern California born. So she's headed back to her roots. I, I was born in La Jolla, and I remember going back there in high school and being like, "Why did we? What? Why did we move?" And it was in peak Laguna Beach culture, and I was like, "I could have been Chris. Like I could have been And Basically, I had the side bang, uh, the propensity for you know, a ripped out hem jean skirt and a polo, and I would have totally worn white to the white and black party back when I had my volleyball figure." Um, but when we went on that trip in high school, my sister and I strong-armed my, uh, parents taking us to Orange County so we could go to the Laguna Beach surf shop, the surf and sand, and we saw Morgan at her boutique, <laughs> Morgan the Mormon, go figure, uh, always been a fan. Um, so anyways, I'm going to go see Kelly soon. That's one thing I'm looking forward to that I'm excited about out in California, and I'm hoping to strong-arm another trip up to Orange County. I just want to stay one night at like a really bougie hotel and, um, I don't know, get room service. Maybe we'll get two kings, Kel. It's going to be wild. Anyways, just wanted to shout out Kelly. I'm really proud of her. I just think I, I, I'm impressed. I'm deeply impressed by people like her who constantly hedge their bets on themselves and who design lives and careers not based on what they have to do or should be doing, but based on what's working and what's not and constantly readjusting and experimenting. I'm a big believer in in, in life and science are, are, aren't really efforts to prove things right or wrong but rather rampant experimentation to just learn more about our world and environment to gain more experience and why the hell not test the limits of your potential if a job isn't working for you and you can get another one why not leave it why not go where you can add the most value you know and she's had a tough hand the past several years with like layoffs and covid and She started as a kindergarten teacher right out of college and now is like in major corporate HR and I don't know, I'm just proud of her. So Kel, I hope your drive is going well if you're listening to this uh, and I'll see you soon. And yeah, let's get into some questions. I think this will be a a fun episode. Oh my God, I have 69 voicemails. A lot. Uh, I'm just gonna have to choose them at random, guys. You are. You guys are awesome for calling in. My God, I'm excited. Okay, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to play them, and see what happens. Hi, Kate. My name is Caroline, and I
0: discovered your podcast from recommendations. Um, I think because I was listening to a Taylor Swift podcast for a long time. Anyway, naturally, that's what I'm here to ask you about. So I know in episodes, probably. A year or two ago, year and a half, I don't know. You talked about the Taylor theory of Carly Closs and Taylor Swift dating. Um, and you kind of backed off from mentioning on the podcast. So I just wanted to see if you had an updated take on Taylor and or Gaylor, which is just the idea that she's gay in general. Personally, I don't see it. Um, I think she's dating Joe. I don't think it's this elaborate ruse that some of the gailers seem to think, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I think she might've just had like a fling with Carly. I don't think she's like bearding for life with Joe and like secretly has all these rendezvous with famous women currently. I think the Carly thing might've been like a one-off or something, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I I am a big-time lurker in the Gaylor subreddit because although I don't agree with 90% of the information, I find it fascinating, and I'm sure this is a topic you're interested too. I did a terrible job of keeping this short and breezy, but um, thanks so much.
1: Hi, Caroline. Um, yeah, this is a question I get a lot, so let's just knock it out on the regular podcast. Okay, Gaylor, so... For starters, one thing I don't understand about that, like, fandom is, like, okay, even if you think that they were involved at one point and you think she's with Joe now, both of those things can be true. Why – the the idea that they're mutually exclusive is so incredibly confusing and, and ignorant to me. I'm not saying that's what you said, but that's what I find in the community, community especially if people are frustrated with me stopping talking about it or, like, I'm like, wait – wait why 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 are we still here this is such old news your question is why did I drop it? The short story is I like it's been three albums. she's been in a relationship for four years. I just don't care anymore. I think it was a really interesting theory for an album shrouded in mystery whose prologue said all of the men that you think this that you will build slideshows that these songs are allegedly about are not true. Whatever she said in the rep prologue was my initial tailspin because she was like, you think you know somebody, but the truth is you only know the side of them they choose to show you. And the media will make slideshows about the men these songs are about and they will all be wrong. And I was like, interesting, because obviously we knew that what she was projecting outward was that she was dating Calvin Harris. And I just thought it was a really interesting choice for her to say specifically, they'll all be wrong. And it kind of opened the doors for me for a different type of analysis to look for a different story. And the, I've always loved to dive into her music, like AP lit class or something. And the themes of um, I loved you in spite of deep fears that the world would divide us. I loved you in secret. Um, I don't want you like a best friend. Everyone thinks but that they know us, but they know nothing about us. Like these, the, the, there was a lot of themes that to me evoked queer undertones and I felt comfortable saying that because from a representation standpoint, I want anybody who falls anywhere on the spectrum of their sexuality to feel represented in music that um, evokes a sense of love and romance because you should put your relationship in the context of any song about love because your love is anybody else's love. And I would get frustrated when Taylor Swift fans would act like there was something inherently offensive about suggesting that her songs could have queer undertones. Um, so I was kind of talk about it in a sense of like, it's, she's saying, we know, we have know nothing about her. And these are not about the men she says they're about. And she's not doing a, a media. She wasn't doing media at the time. Reputation, she did not do a promotional cycle. She gave us no context and, a, and, a kind of really different story in the prologue. And I think this is where theory is divided from conspiracy theory, because my interest, at that time was very much in having no context getting this really different album melodically thematically um and in reading and being down the Kayla rabbit holes a lot of it's really interesting and well researched and as I talk about a lot on here different rabbit holes I love an internet rabbit hole so in sharing that rabbit hole I kind of thought like this is something we can talk about and then we move on we don't have answers from Taylor right now so and the prologue kind of opened it up for speculation, so let's speculate, shall we? But then when she said she was in a relationship, she said she was an ally. She was more public about her relationship with Joe. I moved on, and I don't really know why other people didn't too. I, I'm not. I I dropped it. The same reason I dropped talking about Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. The same reason I'm not talking about Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian things are interesting in real time when they're live, but at a point I don't care. And I, it's such it's old news. It's three albums ago and it never is about uncovering or outing her. It's about being comfortable with her music, not having to be heteronormative. And, I just don't think it's a big deal, whether you are straight, gay, bisexual, have had a fling with a friend or experimented with women, whatever. I just don't doesn't matter to me. And I just don't want people to get defensive and suggest that it's not okay for people that are going through things like deep fears that the world would divide us. I loved you in secret. Everyone thinks that they know. us. I don't want you like a best friend. Like those are real things that people go through who are not straight And I think it's really powerful if they're able to live some of their own story and experience through this music. And I didn't like the opposing fandom that was trying to discount that, because I don't think Taylor would care either. Um, I was never trying to out her. And then when it got into territory where she said, I'm in a relationship, Lover came out, and it it was just so obviously a different story than Reputation, I got frustrated and really wanted to step out of it when people weren't dropping it. Because I think that could have happened, but that's fine. Move on. My mind hasn't changed about Rep. My mind hasn't changed about the plausibility of them having a fling. But my mind has changed about Joe, the legitimacy of their relationship, the seriousness of it. I think that what I uh, thought was sketchy at first turned out to be her safeguarding it for its sanctity. Um, I thought, like, it it just didn't—something about it wasn't sitting right at first, but I think she was just really trying to— Um, keep it private because the public does ruin things really important to her. And I think the seriousness and depth of their relationship is reflected in how carefully she's, um, how closely she's held it to her chest. Unlike the Calvins of the world that were more paraded and seemed more involved with like a press cycle. So long story short, I'm over it. It was a long ass time ago. I think it still totally could have happened, but I also don't think that's a big deal. And I don't like when it's presented in the context of outing somebody and I also don't and I also think it's totally fine to point things out like she's not dumb. She knows she wore the colors of a bisexual flag on her head and the you need to calm down video. And pointing that out is not rude. It's not mean. It's not conspiratorial. It just is what it is. But I think when it gets too deep and it gets too speculative and when you're actively ignoring what she's telling you as truth in favor of your canon and doubling down on it is when it gets into conspiracy theory territory that I'm not comfortable with, nor do I respect. Because speculation is fine in the absence of an answer and in the absence of confirmation. But you know, you have a problem when you finally get the confirmation that yielded the initial speculation, and you're still unwilling to accept it. And I think too, this year, my uh, perception of uh, conspiracy communities like really changed from my own firsthand experience of trying to like, I have no skin in the Wayfair game, but I sold on Wayfair and when people were saying that they were selling kids in storage lockers as a part of this whole, like QAnon nonsense. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get a lot of new fans out of this segment. Um, I, uh, when I was explaining, uh, how pricing algorithms can skyrocket based on inventory and stock when I was trying to explain the the sourcing for automatic naming algorithms and how that works. And I just was trying to provide some examples of what I know from selling on Wayfair as to why these things could have happened and why Occam's Razor, you know, the, the most likely scenario is not they're actually selling children. And that's when I got an onslaught, podcast listeners, followers, whatever, people not saying Thanks for your input, but I still need more information. Or you know, like it, or saying like, oh, like you sold on there. I trust what you're saying more so than this random dude on Reddit. No, people's response was, you're clearly involved. You're clearly part of the human trafficking. Somebody told me they they knew I lived close to them, which weird, and that they felt uncomfortable that I lived in such close proximity to them when I was clearly part of the deep state. Guys, I can't get a reservation at Nobu. Like, I'm not part of the like like Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, Satan-worshipping secret gang. Like, whatever you guys think is going on. Like, I'm just not. I'm a random podcaster. And I think seeing how um, how badly people wanted to fulfill and double down on their own narrative and how it had absolutely nothing to do with seeking the truth um, was I- an interesting thing to experience on my behalf when I was like, wait, I'm telling you, like, why would I lie to you? You know, I, I think it kind of... S- Realized how dangerous um, a lot of feeding into that stuff can be and how I didn't want to steward the listeners of my podcast that were also Taylor Swift fans into territory that I thought was um, inappropriate, needlessly speculative, was actively ignoring the person's truth that they're allegedly a fan of and holding on to a narrative that just quite frankly is old. Um, so I don't I, – I really don't take it back so much as I've just moved on and I – think that when we were in an era where we had no context and information, it was fun to wonder. I think it's totally feasible. And then now that she's been more transparent about her relationship, they're writing songs together. Lover was a totally different album. You Need to Calm Down was a very confusing era for a lot of us. Like you can, um, even when I did the podcast with Lauren, like at that point, all the only things I'd ever seen from Joe were like very carefully placed paparazzi walks. And, like, they hadn't been dating that long when Rep came out. So even when Lauren was, like, saying all those songs were about Joe, I was kind of like, there's no way. And I still think there's no way most of Rep's about Joe. Um, But I do find their relationship totally legitimate now in a way I didn't at first. Because that time I was still in peak, like – I was, like, looking at metadata of Daily Mail posts and trying to see what people's PR would tell them were the keywords and watch how every – like – Taylor Swift is like a PR mastermind always has been she admitted to it in the Rolling Stone article I really thought Joe was a weird um like his presence in her uh press appearances and uh among what she shared among her fans was just so different than before and I couldn't place my finger on it but like I said earlier now I just realized like it's because they were, I think they were way more serious and she was like actually in love and it wasn't something she was parading around for fame and I totally misread the situation also I the the Daily Mail deletes metadata now. I was so small at the time I can't imagine it would have gotten back to them, but I wish I had never publicly said how I knew stuff was PR plants because just in case that was the reason because it was really nice to be able to decode what was accidental versus what wasn't because if it's not accidental, the PR person like puts an angle and types in headlines and keywords and then you can see every major media outlet just slightly manipulate it and you know it's a plant and like oh, some of Taylor and Joes stuff they were plants. Um, but that's fine. And she later admitted to sitting at boardrooms and kind of concocting, you know, how she would market things because if things were going to be used against her anyway, she might as well milk it. And, like, I agree. I don't think she really ever leveraged Joe to the extent that maybe I thought she was, but I was suspicious of him at first because he came out of nowhere and then had, like, 14 movies, remember? <laughs> There's nothing nefarious. I'm not involved with Taylor Nation. There's n- <laughs> just... just Good old fashioned moved on. Uh, it's it is kind of an interesting byproduct of putting all of your thoughts out there for hours a week. Because I've been doing this for three years, and when people are like, "But you said this in 2018," I'm like, "Yeah, that was my truth in 2018, and it's now 2021, and I'm a totally different person." I, I like I don't know. I feel like a lot of my ideas, ideologies, percepts, perspective toward things has changed drastically throughout the past few years of this podcast. Just even as a product of the times we're in and where I've been with my career. And I, and I genuinely do try to be honest with you guys. And I think sometimes people get frustrated when I'm inconsistent, but the honesty is in that I do change my mind a lot and I do want to evolve. And I think it's important that everybody does. I'm not embarrassed if I'm wrong. I'm not embarrassed if I double down on something that turns out to not be true. I would only be embarrassed if I've deliberately tried to mislead you guys to fulfill my own ego rather than to seek the truth. Right. And I, and I really promise I won't do that and I don't want to do that. Um, So thank you for your question and hope I answered it. Okay. Hi, Kate.
0: Um, I'm calling because you posted the voicemail number yesterday and I've never called before, but um, something had just kind of been weighing on me recently. You know, I've listened to you talk.
1: I'm so sorry for the interruption. I just realized. You know, we're 35 minutes in. I need to thank our advertisers who are making this episode possible. Then we'll get back to calls. You know, nothing uh, warms my heart more than when you guys are legitimately excited about an advertiser. And when a couple weeks ago I revealed that Olive in June was now sponsoring the podcast and gave a discount code for the Manny system, safe to say you guys were excited. I've been loving seeing you guys tagging me um, in your Manny systems and nail polish colors and Anyway, to back up, Olive & June is an incredible company, an incredibly innovative company that revolutionized painting your own nails with their signature Manny system, which is the answer to salon perfect nails at home. Olive & June polish lasts seven plus days, doesn't chip, and makes your in-home manicures come out to just $2 a piece. And... I literally never painted my nails before the pandemic and was introduced to Olive and June by Katie and Elsa. And uh, there's so many huge fans that I really love and respect on social media. That I got into it, and I've, I like, I. It's hard to look back now. I can't even believe how much money I was spending having other people do this, and it's just such a fun zen way to kind of zone out, relax. I do it when I'm listening to audio. If you're a podcast listener, you probably love to multitask, and painting your nails is like the perfect pairing um, with audio. I've fallen in love with the Manny system. I, I am also obsessed with the Petty system, but I'll talk about that another day. It's super easy. There's five steps. And I gift this to literally everybody. It's the most fun gift. It has the cutest packaging, the best colors. And my nails have have never looked so good. And I'm just so freaking proud of myself because people ask me, you know, on DM and stuff like, where do you get XYZ? Where do you do, you know, get your nail color or where do you get your nails done? And I'm like, oh my God, do you want to come over? Because I want friends and I did it myself, but we're in a pandemic. So I'll hold off for now. Um, but anyway, if you guys want to try the Olive and June Manny Kit and, you know, live your best new nail life, you can get 20% off your first Manny system with my code in 5 Get 20% off your first Manny system when you use promo code in 5 at oliveinjune.com. It wouldn't be a Kate Lila episode if I didn't bring up therapy in some context, which I'm sure I will, uh, because I am such a uh, fan and uh, champion of people getting help so they can live their best life being able to talk to an unbiased third party who has a specialty in something you're struggling with suffering from and I I don't know like therapists just have the best tidbits like my life was changed when somebody told me things don't happen to you they happen for you and I was like whoa anyways oh every week every time they sponsor I should share like a life-changing thing a therapist has told me um that was a tiktok once and i really enjoyed it but anyways when you think about what it interferes with your your happiness your well-being uh, achieving your goals um i i want you to consider using better help because they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in a safe and private online environment and you can start communicating in under 24 hours which i think is really important especially kind of if you're in the thick of it it's hard when it's like okay i have an opening in 2 weeks right but you can do this without having to go to a waiting room, without having to do a, a ton of research about specialists in your area. And this is not self-help. This is professional counseling. And you can send messages to your counselors if you need to anytime. And uh, the best part, I think, because I've had trouble like vibing with therapists, is they make it um, easy to change counselors if you need to, because they're very committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. Whether you're suffering from Uh, grief or anger issues or or, self-esteem having trouble sleeping Uh, you want to talk through um, couples issues with relationships having family conflicts you know depression stress anxiety anything you share is confidential there's so many different specialists that you have access to that you might not otherwise in your area it's just a really convenient professional affordable service and i just think it's incredibly important you can take my word or listen to testimonials uh that are on their site um this is not a crisis line but it is professional, licensed therapy, and I love working with this company. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all fifty states. And if you want to start living a happier life today as a listener, you'll get ten percent off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com/slash be there in five. doing over one million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp.com/help.com/slash be there in five. Hi, Kate.
0: Um, I'm calling because you posted the voicemail remember yesterday and I've never called before but um, something had just kind of been weighing on me recently you know I've listened to you talk the past you know year on you know we've talked about motherhood a lot and you know wondering if any of us could ever be ready for it you know if we want it um, if we're just not sure if we can balance work um, being a mother and all those sorts of things and I definitely thought at this point in my life that I would have been. I am married, but that I would have maybe started to have kids by now, and that has definitely changed. But one, one aspect and reason why I think it has, which I don't really know if I understood till recently, was I felt like I haven't wanted to have kids recently, and it's it has to kind of go back to that true love waits aspect in the sense that you know I waited until I was married. To have sex and my husband and I who's so great and we've been together for 10 years and I'm still trying to I mean you can hear me get emotional about it on the phone but you know we're trying to work through the struggles you know of being pressured to do weight and you know now that I'm married I'm still having struggles with sex and you know that's kind of made me realize like One aspect of having a child, like I, you know, I thought my sex life would be great. Um, and like wouldn't be like how it is now. Like, I never thought that this would be a problem once I was married and was, you know, allowed to do it. Um, but you know, not having a good, like the, the sex life I want to have before. Um, I have a kid and make sure it's great with me and my husband. Like, this is just not something I expected. And, you know, it's kind of made me want to, work on that first before you know ever thinking about bringing a kid into the picture um but i don't know if any of that makes sense but i think that's the reason why like i've decided to put kind of kids on the back burner for now and i don't think i really realized that that was maybe some of the reasons like until i worked through some of these personal things um and i think that's something that people don't understand when they ask you like when are you going to have kids you know, they don't know what's, you know, necessarily going on in their personal life. But I just thought that just, like, came to me recently as a, you know, a reason why I think it's, like, my time is not now to have kids. I need to work on myself and my marriage, and one day I will be ready. But I just thought it was an interesting perspective, and people don't know when
1: they ask you. Oh, you got cut off. Um, I felt emotional listening to you. Um. I, I want to air this, not because I, I don't think I, I don't know if I can be helpful with this, but I want to air it in solidarity because I don't think you're alone. And I'm sure a lot of people go through this and you're absolutely right that people do not understand how many different variables go into the decision to have children? People do not understand that you can't just snap your fingers and get pregnant. It's just not that simple for most people. Um, and there's so many deeply personal inter inner workings that go into such a big permanent life decision that it quite frankly shocks me. people aren't more sensitive to it. And I think that oftentimes it's well-meaning conversations about general life phases people can relate to but in the event someone's going through it it is so emotionally triggering and yeah we have talked about purity culture a lot on this podcast and it's something I feel incredibly strongly about because there's the side of people being comfortable and able to openly talk about sex from an empowered standpoint um that just completely can untether themselves from any shame or messaging that was ever put upon them or any objectification. Like I I love and am, am so uh, inspired by people that have empowering s- messages of sexuality and who have really overcome um, any notion that women shouldn't be allowed to be just the same as if not more than men, proud of their bodies, have personal agency over how they show them and freedom in the way they talk about sex and the number of partners they have. Like I'm all for it. But I also always want to talk about this side of it because I don't think enough people are aware of the implications of purity culture and how you first learn about sex and sexuality and your body and uh, personal agency over it. Uh, Those those messages stay with you. The shame follows you into serious relationships, into your marriage. Similar to what I was talking to Elsa about a couple episodes ago, I'm so angry that the choice to show me a video of childbirth in 7th grade their choice was to scare the living shit out of me to think it is it is a bloodbath it is graphic it is horrendous it is painful they did all of that to to convince me not to have sex but now I'm a 33-year-old woman considering having children and that and I'm going to get upset that's what I think about and I'll forever be angry that I was robbed of my clean slate from the church about how to feel about my body and sex. I'll forever be mad that my feelings toward having sex and having children was made to be scary and horrific by public schools. I am a very sensitive person, and these themes stuck with me. And while I think over the past decade and change I've worked through the sex part, I have not worked through the having kids part as evidenced on Childless Millennial. And I want to open the dialogue about purity culture because it is people don't get how deep the shame is. And people don't get how when you use scare tactics, when you show photos of STDs, when you don't talk about safety, when you don't talk about assault, when you're just completely... You know, you're you're not allowed to be objectified, but at the same time told you that objectification is just a fact and it is what it is, and you will be ogled and you will be groped, and it is your responsibility for how people look at and respond to your body. Like to just accept it as like boys will be boys, boys are gonna touch you, boys are gonna look down your shirt, you better dress in a way to not make your Christian brothers stumble. It's not a problem that they're looking, that they're touching. If your shirt's low cut at school and a guy is looking at you, that his gaze is not addressed, your education is interrupted and you have to go change because the assumed behavior, the accepted behavior is the staring, is the touching, and it's your job to prevent it. I know like sometimes I joke like in the last episode saying God canceled Eve and like women never stood a chance, but like seriously, we never did. Uh, To be set up to so deeply associate your self-worth with your purity and then to get a piece of paper, to exchange vows, and to be expected to magically have that shame and fear uh, disappear, it's, it's so ignorant and unrealistic. And it, it, to carry that shame into your marriage, nothing's wrong with you. That's that's not abnormal. I, I think that the more strange thing would be to mentally flip a switch in terms of messaging. And even though nothing in your relationship has materially changed, for you to completely overhaul your mindset toward sex and sexuality, it's it's a huge psychological departure that most people cannot manufacture, and they deep seed this the shame. So to get you to behave in the way. They want you to until you're married. But after that point, it's up to you. It's a free-for all. but that 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 those those expectations aren't managed. um then it becomes sacred and private within your marriage, and it becomes impossible to talk about. Another reason I wanted to air your question, even though I don't have the right answer, I don't think is because you were able to call in anonymously. And I think that this is something that's so hard to talk about because you don't want to talk about your partner in a way that's disrespectful. A lot of people don't feel comfortable going to therapy for this topic, even though I think it's really important that you do if that's something you're comfortable with. But I just I hope I guess my point is like. I don't want you to feel like something's wrong with you or it's weird to have to work through this, even though you've been together for a while, I think this stuff runs deep. And when I read the stories of women crying and hiding in the bathroom on their wedding night, breaking out into hives. Stories of marrying abusive men because people had sex with them and thought they had to then therefore marry them and be with them because they were only supposed to be with one person. Many people were robbed of their opportunity to understand sex in a shame, free, healthy, natural way. And I don't think you're alone in that. Um, the only I'll tell you what listeners told me that made me feel better about having kids. And I don't know if this translates in any way to what you're going through. Um, But everything is so scary and so daunting because it's somebody else's. And the great thing about your marriage is it's yours. And the great thing about your kids is that they're yours. They're nobody else's. You don't have to abide by anybody else's rules, formula, way of doing things. The concept of these overarching life changes felt less overwhelming to me when I realized I could do it my way. And if you're still working through feeling more comfortable or less ashamed with sex in your marriage, work through that. Be honest with your partner about it. Whether you go to therapy, whether you read books about it, whether you just start a more open dialogue, whatever it is, I do think it's important to strengthen your marriage and to be comfortable in your marriage and to be free and open within it. And and if that it comes more naturally to you as your priority before having kids. Listen to that, lean into that. Um, don't put pressure on yourself in terms of timeline or amount of progress or whatever it is like this, this, the shame and difficulty runs so deeply because these issues are so complicated and it's just not a straightforward thing that you can flip a switch when you get married, nor can you, you know, mid marriage. Um, Marriage is a long game, though, and and you have a lot of, hopefully, time together, and relationships evolve you know, year over year, even month to month at times, and you might not work through this in the next month. You might not be able to put a timeline on it. It might be an evolution over time, and that's okay, too. You might have kids and, and get pregnant, whether you plan on it or not, before you work through these issues, and that's okay, too. I say the thing about my way and it being yours, because, you know, I think that, and again, I'll probably hear from people saying, you don't have kids, you don't understand. Fine. But I don't really understand why it's productive for me to think my life will be over, my sex life will be over. Like, I don't understand why people that are married or have kids think scare tactics about what it will be like are somehow benefiting me. I'll get there when I get there. I understand the logic of managed expectations, but I don't think you need to approach having kids thinking, my life's over like I used to, or my sex life is over. And like, there's so much pressure on you to sort through this now. Because after you have kids, hopefully you'll still be married, you'll still have a healthy emotional connection, and you'll still be intimate with each other and have time to work through that. I I think that we put a lot of timelines and pressure on ourselves to overcome things, to make progress, to feel material changes when. If we're being intuitive and we're listening to ourselves and if we're patient with ourselves, we realize these things resolve themselves with both effort and time. And when we try to strong arm either effort or time as a sole solution, I never really think it works out. But as long as you're being open with your partner and communicative, as long as you're getting help where you see fit and and can feel like you're making at least a little progress, it's just especially in just feeling less shame because I don't want that for you at all you shouldn't. But I know it's not intellectual like that. It, it does take working through. Um, I guess my only piece of advice would be to honor that the way you feel isn't your choice. It's not a product of weakness or something you should be over by now or, or anything like that. You were not set up for success in your perceptions of sexuality. And just like it took a lifetime of people trying to scare you out of doing it, it could take a comparable amount of time to unravel, but that's okay. And it's not your fault. And as long as your partner understands that, and as long as you're slowly but surely trying to find what works best for you guys, you're going to be fine. Just be honest with them. And beyond that, just don't feel like kids are the turning point or the barrier uh, to you know, ceiling of the coffin that you'll never work on your sex life if you do have a kid. I don't subscribe to that 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 part of your relationship has to be over just because you've had children. For a lot of couples, I know it's not. Um, And I just think there's a lot of things around us that scare us or make us feel like we're in the wrong or not on the right path or should be doing something differently. And I know the people asking you can be triggering on so many levels, but what I do is just develop a canned response and I don't read too much into it anymore. I assume people are... Trying to be polite and talk about relatable life milestones, and I don't um, let myself uh, feel misunderstood, I don't let myself feel pressured, I don't let myself feel like anybody knows my own life and decisions better than I do. And that's something that's come with time and confidence, and honestly, being more forthcoming and vocal about it. I think that as weird as it is to tell thousands and thousands of strangers my reservations having children it was such a turning point for me and feeling like I was allowed to say I wasn't ready. Um, And I've been more vocal about that in my passing conversations as a result uh, because I just, I think it's important that we're honest and I think it's important that we stop comparing ourselves to where we thought we'd be or where other people need us to be and just live our truth. And sometimes life is complicated and your truth isn't, pretty isn't easy isn't simple but that's okay i also do want to caveat that um i don't know anything about your situation and to anybody listening if this is about abuse about pain about any sort of verbal physical assault if this is about a discomfort with your partner um this is why it's always important as much as i love getting it giving advice this is why we delete stuff like this in the facebook group because um In the event there's something more serious going on, casual advice doesn't point people in the right direction. It's important to consult a licensed medical professional, a third party, Um, and especially getting to the root cause, because this is me assuming the root cause is what we've talked about a lot on the podcast and with purity culture in terms of. Women being deeply shamed um, and made to feel like their self-worth is tied to their purity and being unable to flip a switch when they're expected to be these sex goddesses within marriage, yet completely be abstinent outside of marriage and how much of a psychological leap that is and how difficult it is to go from one to the other, especially when one's been done for for a lifetime. But in the event that there is a a different root cause of your discomfort with sex, um Please, please, please consult a professional. Uh, talk to a therapist. Um, a pr- don't listen to me in terms of how to approach this at all. This I just want to caveat that as well. Um, but I guess long story short, if the former, and if it's more of the what we've talked about on this podcast, um, kind of just overcoming the way we were taught about sex, which you kind of alluded to in the way you were brought up, um, you know, being honest with your partner, I think is really important, making sure they're not taking it person personally, um, and having a partner that's open to an understanding of your kind of journey with this. And um, beyond that, you just saying it out loud, you being conscious of it, you even attempting to improve it. I think is just so much more important than maybe you're even realizing. So many women, the, it, this this isn't sorry. I'm eating a soft pretzel. You would think I'm in like low lighting in the evening having like a poignant conversation, but it's 4 p.m. and I'm stuffing my mouth with a soft pretzel, talking about sexy. Um, But uh, I think that like a lot of women when they're unable to make that psychological leap, they just assume sex is supposed to be painful, unpleasurable. They never get to know themselves or their own body. And people can suppress themselves for a literal lifetime, just making it about the, making it about the man's pleasure and not enjoying it themselves. And like, I think it's really important um, to acknowledge that you, you want improvement. You want to strengthen your relationship. You want to feel more free within it. And um, that in and of itself is like such progress in my eyes. And, um, As long as you have that communication, as long as you're giving yourself time and honest effort, and as long as you're not abiding by other people's rules, timelines, or formulas, and realizing what's so great about life is you can do it your way. And your way might be figuring this out before kids. Your way might be figuring this out when you're pregnant. Your way might be figuring this out after kids. Your way might not be having kids. And all of those things are nothing is better than the other. All are wonderful. All are beautiful because they're your choice. And I hope that you continue to feel positive progress as you work through this I hope your partner is receptive to you wanting to improve um, the experience for yourself and I'm really proud of you for even calling in and saying that out loud I think that even though you asked for my thoughts I just don't think even think my thoughts are what are what's helpful here I honestly wanted to play it in case anybody else feels similarly because I think there's such power and knowing you're not alone. So uh, truly, thank you for calling in and and for your candor and honesty. I think it will mean a lot more than you know, to many, many women.
0: Hi, Kate, huge fan of the show. It's definitely been a bright spot for me in what has been a pretty dark year. My question for you is, what is your favorite piece of bizarre celebrity folklore that you'll never, like, be able to prove, but you wholeheartedly believe. Like, over the past year, I've gotten really into do gossip on Instagram, and I think my favorite thing I've ever read is that Leonardo DiCaprio wears his headphones during sex. So I want to know, like, what is your favorite piece of bizarre celebrity gossip?
1: Bye. You know how, like, at every college, people thought... Or, like, every there's, like, the same rumor that if you get hit by a bus, your tuition's paid for. I kind of feel like at every middle school, we all talked about how Marilyn Manson had, like, one of his ribbed removed so he could S his own D. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> He's publicly refuted it, but there's a lot of, like, rib removal rumors I find really interesting Marilyn Manson, I've heard about Dolly Parton, about Cher. Um, at one point, people talked about Alexis Wren, the Instagram model doing it. Um, it. It, like, allows you to achieve this slimmer and what much more narrow waistline. And, like, as a person who does feel held back by their ribcage size and just generally short torso, I was interested in what this was all about. But, like, it's so ridiculous to skeletally alter yourself. It would be so painful. I don't even think it's legal. And um, – I think Marilyn Manson was, like, maybe an easy target. Like, he's a monster, right? Like, don't we know that now? He, like he, – he was, he was he's always been so disturbing. But when he first got on the radar to, like, my crew in middle school, it, like, added to his lore that he, like, S'd his own D because he got his ribs removed. Um, <laughs> There's also a rumor at one point that he was Paul from The Wonder Years. <laughs> he is not. Um I mean, there's a lot of, like, forgotten celebrity stories, maybe not folklore, that I love. Like, I think constantly about that time Kristen Stewart and that Rupert dude, the director, were, like, holding each other and, like, kissing. Was that, weren't they, like, on a highway overpass when she was still with RPATS? And then last night I couldn't sleep and I was re-watching her interview with Howard Stern about her and Robert's relationship. And it's so meaningful and it's a really good interview and – I really don't think she's as weird as people want her to be. I think she's just a person that like is really disenchanted by celebrity interviews and wasn't good at hiding the like facial and emotional cues of like, why the hell are you asking me this dumb, ridiculous, sexist question? Why are you overly harping on my relationship? Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, I also, I think about Solange going ham on Jay-Z in an elevator. I would do the same thing if somebody wronged Kelly. I am dying to know what Jay-Z did. I think that they're – I really think their marriage, like, it, it's – I don't know. It's just, like it's – so it's so interesting to me how, like, Lemonade – I mean, that was, like, so it, – it was so incriminating, right? I mean, I, I'm dying to know who Becky with the good hair is. And I – as I've talked about before, one of my favorite, favorite, top, top, top internet mix-ups of all time, speaking of celebrity folklore, to get back on subject, is – um When people thought – so people thought Rachel Roy was Becky with the good hair and that Jay-Z cheated with Rachel Roy. And that's a big source of, like, the lemonade conversation. Twitter got confused. So Rachel Roy was married to Jay-Z's business partner, um, Damon Dash, the co-founder of Rockefeller Records. And the rumor was that Jay-Z and Rachel Roy had an affair, but Twitter got confused <laughs> and thought it was Rachel Ray. And so Rachel Ray was getting like tagged and RT'd and people be like, you bitch, like fucking with Beyonce's man. Like, it just like went from hove to stove. Like, I love that they thought he was uh, cheating with a celebrity, like chef and Rachel Ray. of all. It's just like, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite things ever. Um, as far as like rumors that I think are true, one that's kind of like under the radar that I think is totally like, OK, I think Matt Lauer is a full monster, full, awful monster. I rewatched some of his old interviews. and I'm just like, ugh! like this guy thought he had the network in the palm of his hands. He thought he thought his behavior would never get caught. Like, I just I can't stand him. But I do kind of believe that he and Natalie Morales had an affair. And that's why she got the boot and went to freaking... Like she was an anchor on the Today show and then mysteriously went to like Access Hollywood and moved she was like I'm going to LA and like her with young children I something to me is so weird about that and that was before Matt got um uh fired uh, amidst the the me too conversation that I feel like has really tapered off and so many more people need to get me too but then they all protected each other following the peak me too you know what I mean um Anyways, she left the Today Show to be, like, a West Coast correspondent. And, like, they've denied it, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't buy it for a second. Because here's the thing. Like, I hate accusing people of affairs, and I don't think Natalie, like, got where she is. Or, like, because of Matt. Like, I don't want to insinuate anything sexist. But with everything that went down with Ann Curry, I just think he had a lot of control and power. And, like, for her to abruptly leave and be like, I want to be in L.A. I I, want to be, like... I don't know, I want to do Access Hollywood and not anchor the Today Show. I just, I don't think it's a believable move. Like they said her contract was up and she wanted to try something new. But like, I don't know, J for AC is my life motto, which is my official slogan for justice for Ann Curry. We all remember in 2012 when she announced her abrupt departure from the Today Show uh, and was like crying. And like Matt was like, trying to be chummy with her and then like tried to like hug her and kiss her on the cheek and she like swerved and we were all like oh shit what went down and then in new york magazine there was this whole expose in 2013 they called it operation bambi and they revealed matt lauer as like the ouster of ann curry let me read this vulture article lauer never thought she'd oh a producer at the time called operation bambi lauer never thought she'd be suited for the co-hosting gig but her contract stipulated that if she was passed over again for the job As she'd been when they hired Meredith Vieira following Katie Couric's exit, she was able to decamp. Lauer and Curry's chemistry always felt forced, and they reportedly rarely spoke off air. Research collected shared internally found that it was Lauer who tested poorly to viewers during his segments with Curry, not Curry herself. He was looking aloof, a little bit holier than thou, and pompous, a former NBC executive who viewed the reports told New York Magazine. He was becoming Bryant Gumbel. I I don't know that reference. Oh, apparently it's Lauer's close friend and frequent golf partner who left today with a sim- similar reputation. At best, Lauer allowed Curry's firing. At worst, he orchestrated it. Her exit came in tandem with him re-upping his lucrative contract. B- oh, interesting. So he was testing bad because of her and needed somebody with better chemistry. And then comes Meredith V. B- Sorry. And then comes Natalie Moran. That voice doesn't work when you mess it up. <laughs> um Wait, behind the scenes, two NBC News executives were jockeying for power. Amid all this, Lauer was in conversations with ABC about doing a morning talk show with Couric, which he pulled out of at the last minute, it says New York Magazine. From top to bottom, Burke, Lauer, Capus, and Bell had all agreed that Curry would be taken off the show, with today rebuilt around Lauer. At that moment, when he had maximum leverage with NBC, Lauer, as the multimillion-dollar megastar, could have easily saved her, but he didn't. To the contrary, in setting a new contract to remain at the show for at least two more years, he tacitly ratified the plan to remove her, which doesn't make him a horrible person. It makes him, for better or for worse, a pro. No, he's a monster, horrible person. And like a rampant perpetrator of sexual assault. He's gross. I hate that NBC paid for his helicopters to the Hamptons. I do love that song from TikTok, Handshakes in the Hamptons. Also, we should have known he was a monster when he was interviewing Anne Hathaway, misunderstood starlet extraordinaire that i need to revisit my own internalized misogyny in terms of why i don't like her um but i kind of do now i will always and forever love mia thermopolis i just think that it it, it just it came true of it all it was tough it was tough it seemed forced um when after like paparazzi got an upskirt of of Anne annie he led the an interview with her about her work as nice to see you've seen a lot of you lately. Like oh, ca- um, like oh my god, friend's gesture, you know. Like I'm like it's just he's disgusting. He's awful. Um, but per the Natalie Morales affair, he'd been uh, Vulture says he'd been trailed by paparazzi from the National Enquirer, which had repeatedly printed rumors about his him cheating on his wife. For what it's worth, some executives at NBC told me they believed the rumors, including the one about a relationship with Natalie Morales. But no one believed the malicious claim that the inquiry set was circulated by competitors about a love child. I didn't know about that. A spokeswoman for Lauer and Morales denied the affair and called the allegations reckless and irresponsible. Maybe what's more important is that the executives didn't think Lauer's behavior, real or imagined, had hurt the show. <sighs> Jeez, O'Pete's. Oh, Good times. Like, isn't he still, like, living in a Seinfeld-esque estate in the Hamptons? Like, ugh. These people never, like, really pay or learn. So what's Brian Williams up to these days? What's Allison Williams up to? She got divorced from Ricky Van and I haven't seen her since. One Instagram user said she's doing well on dating somebody new but laying low because I did pose this question on Instagram. Um. But I think I've talked about before. I like I really enjoy Allison William Williams on podcasts. I think she's well spoken, and I like her use and breadth of the English language and figures of speech. She does do Bachelor recaps, but like I've been done with the Bachelor for several seasons, and after this season, like I mean, think I'm I I feel uh, lighter being rid of the problematic empire they've built i mean like they wanted to be pat on the back for having the first person of color with rachel Lindsay. i just i, can't, I couldn't then i can't now I, I don't even know what happened this past season or with the contestants i know there was a lot of drama but like literally i just couldn't even i couldn't even pay attention um i just think the show is done and dated it needs to be like over with and i don't know i think it's seen its heyday anyway back to Marilyn Marilyn, Marilyn manson s and his rt i'm just kidding those that's some of my favorite folklore i guess uh, Marilyn Manson, Rachel Roy slash Ray slash B slash Solange slash J, uh, Matt Lauer, Natalie Morales, and J for AC. You heard it here first. Do you think Anne Curry would come on my podcast? <laughs> I just feel like she kind of dipped out. She must have signed an ironclad NDA. It's like those stories that I think about constantly with things that like just did not give us resolve. I could keep going, but I'm I'm trying. I, I'm, I'm not making, I'm not doing good on time, you guys. Ooh, this next advertiser is one of my favorite, favorite brands we work with uh, for another product, Helix Mattresses. But this is their sister brand. And I trust Helix with my like back and my life and anything they make, I would buy. Uh, but Helix has left the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform. And they are already making some of the best sofas I've ever seen. I have one. I've been waiting to tell you about it. It's an L-shaped cognac leather sectional. And actually, I went with it because I needed a modular sofa uh we're as you know in limbo with moving and i don't know if like my sofa is going to be in a bedroom in a basement uh, in my current home and we're staying like i have no idea but i wanted the flexibility of um having furniture that could work anywhere and modular furniture you can move the armrest you can move the chaise where the corner is you can add or subtract pieces anytime to make it work for you which is i think really great especially for like city dwellers and renters um, but really for anybody, because you can pick out your fabric, it's spill stain and scratch resistant. You can pick the sofa color, the color of the legs, the size, and make sure it's perfect for your home, but also kind of give yourself the flexibility to, uh, change it around if you need to. Also, if you don't like it for some reason, which said no one ever, but in the event you did not you can try it for a hundred days and they will refund you and they will pick it up, which I don't know if you guys have ever been so sofa shopping, A, I'm not into going into stores right now, but B, it's like, great, you picked out your new dream sofa, you just moved, you want to decorate, it'll be ready in eight to 12 weeks, and it's like, what? And then it comes, you have to assemble it, and it's it's a nightmare of tools, but this is no tools, super straightforward, you're not tied, like, if you get a custom fabric sofa, no one, you can't return it. I've had to sell so much furniture on, like, Craigslist, Um, but this they will legitimately pick up if you do not like it. I don't know, I'm obsessed, it's like my first adult sofa. Um, it's roomy and comfortable. And I don't know if you guys have met Tugboat, but he's a nightmare. And he straight up digs into it and nothing happens. I spilled red wine on it, nothing happens. And it's leather. I, I guys, I, I love it. They they no joke, offer a forever warranty. It's not Olivia Rodrigo, you said forever. Now I drive alone past your street like it's actually forever. And if you want to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com/slash be there in five. And oh, wait, all form is offering 20%. Wait, 20% off a sofa. All form is offering 20% off all orders for listeners. And be there in five at all form.com slash be there in five. God, Helix, all form. God bless. Love you. So yeah, go to allform.com slash be there in five, 20% off your sofa. Bye. Huge, huge news. Huge development over here uh, in Beth Air in Five Land. I'm going to start doing yoga again. <laughs> I like uh, calm, relaxing uh, workouts and... I uh, literally wouldn't be able to function because I'm so bad at drinking water um, without liquid IV. Have we ever talked about that they've done, like, collabs with Justin Bieber and Kygo? I feel like we should have, just as a pop culture podcast, so love that. But uh, basically, this helps me keep feeling my best. Their uh, hydration multiplier is unbelievable. It's You put a packet in a bottle of water, and it basically— gives you two to three times more hydration than just the water alone through this blend powered by uh, cellular transport technology, which is designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other nutrients. Kind of love the science behind it. And they also have this other uh, type called liquid IV hydration multiplier plus immune support that's uh, meant to maintain and strengthen your immune system. And it has vitamin C in it. And obviously, as this past year, we've been in the midst a pandemic. I've felt peace of mind having any additional immune support. But beyond their functional products, they have a really important give back mission. They've donated over ten million sticks to people around the world. And I just you know, it's important for me for you to know that when you purchase like whatever you're joining their mission to help, people live better lives everywhere. They've been donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, active military. And the hydration multiplier plus immune support, it's, it's a cutting-edge blend of vitamin C, zinc, and Wellmune. Wellmune is a naturally sourced beta-glucan that's proven to help strengthen your immune system. And it's actually tastes really good. Each packet is bursting with fresh, natural tangerine flavor. And like I said, two to three times more hydration than water alone. I'm really not a fan of drinking water, which I know sounds ridiculous, and I'm so lucky to even have access to clean water. But I just forget, and then I get too full. And I just, I don't know. I am i love this product. I think the company is wonderful. And if you want to get Liquid IV's hydration multiplier plus immune support in bulk at Costco, you can. Or you can order online and get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code and 5 at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using promo code and 5 at liquidiv.com. Hi, Kate. So I am looking for some
0: friendship advice I guess so um I'm a senior in college and recently a former best friend of mine unfollowed me on Instagram and I have really been struggling with it so obviously like I know Instagram is not everything um but like to me and to this person it is it is like a big part of our life and she knows me well enough to know that that's something I'm conscious of and would be bothered by I guess not because I'm, I'm losing out on her likes, like I don't pay attention to that, but because I just share a lot of my life on there and I don't know, it makes me feel like she doesn't care about me or about my life. Um, so just some backstory on our friendship, we were roommates freshman year. We were best, best friends um, and we haven't been as close in recent years just, you know, because we got closer with other people, but, you know, she's someone I would still consider a friend like until this. Um, And it's not just the unfollow. So the next day, her sister also unfollowed me, which does not seem like a coincidence to me. Um, And then there was a night that week where my little friend group met up with hers, and she just, like, didn't even acknowledge me being there, which is not something she had done before. And she also was, like, rolling her eyes really obviously every time I talked. And I don't know. It's been a few weeks now. Now I'm starting to feel like a lot of her close friends are also ignoring me. Um, And anyway, I've decided that the best course of action is just ignore it, you know, continue to be pleasant to her like we've always been. Um, Like, we're about to graduate. We're moving different states. We're going to make new friends. We're going to have totally different lives. But with that being said, like, I'm doing my best to focus on you know my future and my life and all that, but I cannot get the thought of my out of my head um, that her and all her friends hate me. So um, that makes me feel very sad, and I would to advice on how to continue focusing on me and not not letting petty issues like this one affect me as, as much as they are.
1: Thanks. You know, a wise woman once said, "Past me, I want to tell you not to get lost in these petty things." Your nemeses will defeat themselves before you get the chance to swing. This is from Taylor Swift's long story short. But uh, for my long story short, that's kind of the sentiment of what I would tell you. Uh, Per your point about graduating, moving on, different states, new friends, uh, I I don't envy your situation. It is painful, um, and I've definitely been in situations myself where I've been so confused about what I did wrong and the person on the other side has seemed to craft a narrative that they told everybody before I got the chance to state my case. So now their truth that I'm combating is something somebody else said and nothing I've, I ever got the chance to, to offer up or clear up in the first place. So I'm fighting a falsehood about myself and looking like I'm being defensive when I'm just trying to, be honest and, and, and hope for some exchange of vulnerability or humanity and being like, I don't want to not get a lot, like wh- who wants to live like this, but the person in the position of power as people on their sides enjoys living like this. And those are the people you just don't need in your life. I had a very similar situation at the end of college where I felt like, some people I was really close to, like deeply close to, there was kind of a misunderstanding. And I literally, to this day, I have dreams about it because I don't know what happened or what went wrong. But all of a sudden we were on two different pages and like grew apart to the point where I felt like when I had acknowledged it, it was made about about what it wasn't about. And then all these people had a wrong... In my opinion, wrong interpretation of what happened, and it was made into like it's like weird when you don't even know what happened, and you almost feel like emotionally gaslit that everyone's against you, and you're just here being like, what did I do? Like, uh, uh, wh- what? It's it. I like can't express to you how deeply I understand how maddening the feeling is of feeling both misunderstood and ostracized. I always, I'm like, if you're gonna exclude me and leave me out, I'd I'd almost prefer a reason. But it's just hard when the person it's a, <laughs> that's going to quote Taylor Swift again, her and Jack Anstoff were talking about in the long pond sessions, how the people that you're closest to, how scary it is that they know you so well, that they know so deeply how to hurt you. And it's, it's such a disarming, alarming feeling when one of your best friends becomes a, a nemesis and almost has a playbook of um, how to get to you and i'm a person that doesn't like conflict i don't like to live in tension i don't like to be mad at people on principle um i would rather have things like cause like for optics resolve than have the presence of tension in my life even if i'm still hurt like i'll fall on the sword as long as we don't have to have like stated tension if that makes sense um it's just it's not who i am it's not what i want and i think that like When people have these volatile friendships and are mad at each other and go through phases and like, you know, are in and out of like favor with one another, I'm like, I don't get how you survive. I I, I can't. I need simple, straightforward, honest friendships that give me the benefit of the doubt, that don't get people on their side against me, that aren't looking for reasons to hate me, be mad at me, unfollow me, whatever it is, because the bottom line you're, you, you can look for reasons and you'll be hurt and you'll be kind of probably for a long time trying to figure out the logistics of what exactly went wrong here and what you did to incite them to unfollow you but at the end of the day there's something about you unfortunately that isn't sitting well with them that changed that they don't like or want and For every one person that doesn't love you, and I've learned this big time the last few years when I've unfortunately come across a a lot of people who very vocally don't love me, strangers, but still stinks. Um, For every one of those people, there's countless people who love you for those very reasons. There's countless people who would never leave you in the dark about Uh, your friendship about their feelings towards you. People that want to be friends with you and want the best for you would go to great lengths to resolve whatever it is and not just ignore you and cut you out. And if you're not a person that can deal with that volatility, you just keep your head down, go straight to graduation, move away and start a life with people who appreciate you, who don't have the context of whatever it is that went down. Live your life out loud on Instagram as much as you want And just look forward to better days when you'll have the freedom and ability to choose the people in your life that aren't spoon fed to you from a college, from a roommate situation, from a sorority or whatever it is. I found myself in adult life. I deeply love majority of my friends from college and I'm still close to them to this day. But even they know that I wasn't that happy in college. I was really having trouble finding my place. And When I shed myself of any context and got the chance to start over and got the chance to tell people my story and who I was without any of the predeterminations of being in a sorority or from a hometown or from a high school, I met myself. And I at the time, I was so tempted to fight tooth and nail to salvage this friendship, to state my case, to be better understood. But honestly, for me at that point, it wasn't even to save the friendship. It was for my own pride. It was for my own sensitivity. It was to counteract how hurt I was that... I was even being put in this position in the first place and it wasn't really about the friendship and my life moved on and theirs did too without us being friends and i still love the like them to this day and want the best for them and i in as an adult it's like so weird when you look back and you can't even remember the subject matter for a disagreement it just goes to show how insignificant it is but for whatever reason at that time it's just not working and the unfortunate part about this kind of power dynamic where it's you against them is anything you say or do can and will be held against you. You could get ganged up on. It could get exponentially worse. And I really do believe the best revenge is living well. Not to say you shouldn't stand up for yourself. Not to say you, you know, don't deserve to get your two cents in. But I just, I don't know. If, if you're going to graduate soon and you're about to move on, I think you just so deeply look forward to that life and to when these issues won't be present anymore. And what I've learned as I have gotten older is that when I used to operate from a place of scarcity, like these are my friends and I don't have other friends and I didn't just save these friendships because they're here. When you really need to think about it, you know, she's manifesting babe terminology from a place of abundance. There are countless people that would love to be your friend, that would kill to be in your company, that will that will relish in your strengths and celebrate your victories and won't leave you in the cold or or leave you hanging when you've potentially done something wrong or hurtful and they'll be forthcoming about the state of your relationship and their feelings about you. Come from that place of if I spend less of my time and energy trying to salvage this thing I don't even want, it opens up a whole world of possibility for the people that I deserve to be in my life and who I want in my life and who enrich my life, right? We, we have a high tolerance for people that take and take and take and deplete us. For the sake of what? Just for not being on bad terms? Because that's what I used to do. And bad terms, I mean, they only exist as much as life as you breathe into them. And they'll go away once you go away time and distance do beautiful beautiful things and as a person that felt so enveloped and entrenched in things I didn't want to be and misunderstood by things that had gotten out of hand and by rifts with people involving boys that I just didn't care about but unfortunately what had happened happened and I and I didn't know what to do about it and I would have talked in circles and I would have defended myself to the end I would have felt ganged up on and I would have just kept on crying in bars but instead I just moved on and I met people that added so much more than they subtracted. And I know that's not easy now because you haven't met those people yet and you don't know your new life, but future you is going to have so much fucking fun (laughs) not being weighed down by friendships that get some sort of sick pleasure out of seeing you hurt, out of unfollowing you, out of looking you up and down at a party. That's not somebody you want in your life and don't go out of your way to salvage that sort of relationship. I hope you'll come, I hope you'll be on good terms at some point if that's what you want. I hope you'll figure it out at some point if that's what you want. But the way to satisfy them is to feed into it, is to grovel, is to apologize. The way to make them feel as insignificant as they're succeeding in making you feel is to pretend like they don't exist, ignore it, and go on living your best life. And post the hell out of it. You know what's great about unfollowing you is that they can't judge you for what you're doing. And if they're still creeping your stories from a finsta, which you know they're doing, they can see how great you're doing. Fuck (laughs) them. Honestly. (laughs) Love you! My mom gets so mad at me when I use the F word, but sometimes it's warranted. I just hate that people think that they have to endure this nonsense. Uh, Like the politics of girl world, I look back on it, and I just am so much more confident now, and I would never put up with so much of this stuff. And if current me can tell versions of past me that I see in you guys and your concerns that are so valid, if I can just, like, rid you, free you— of the burden to feel like you need to please these people that have no bearing on your life i want to so badly because these things hurt they hurt they hurt they hurt but you can pick at the scab which is deeply satisfying i'm a bit of a picker if i'm honest uh or you can take time and take space and let it breathe and let it heal and slowly but surely while you're on the mend be living your your best life, not reopening the same wound, maybe creating other wounds. Who the hell knows? But the important thing is, is you're moving on. You're not deliberately knowing you're doing something that's going to hurt you or make it worse. I just want to see you thrive, and you absolutely will. Like my my two my two philosophies on life are to keep your head down and to keep your chin up, which I know are opposing ideals, but they it actually it makes sense to me. Right. <laughs> that's not helpful. But like when I when I need to not. Com- compare myself to other people and in every career i've ever had success in like i got made fun of so hard for it and i had to keep my head down i had to focus on the work but while my head was down my chin was up because part of putting my head down and canceling out the noise is being so deeply confident in what i want what i need and what i think my talents are and how i think i can impact the world outside of meaningless people's opinions and Head down, chin up. I wish I could think of a better way to say it, but I think that's how you approach graduation and your life moving forward. You're going to do great things. You'll be totally fine, Um, but don't pick this gap. Just let it heal, and I honestly think you move on from this one. They sound really mean, if I'm honest. My sister, I think about, too, like Kelly – and her being like, yeah, I'm going to unfollow in solidarity. Like the meanest thing I've ever done is send a threatening Venmo to somebody who cheated on her, which I stand by. But I don't think we've ever insta-ganged up on people. <laughs> so mean. Okay, love you. Bye. Hey, Kate. It's Emily. I have a very important question for you.
0: Um, which serial mascot would you like to spend an entire day with? Love the podcast. Thanks.
1: Well, my first thought is, you know, as we talked about last week, they're, they're, the female representation among serial mascots is incredibly poor, except there's that Russian bumblebee whose theme song got really famous on TikTok called Me pan zuzuzu, zoo, zoo, zoo. Zoo, zoo, zoo Do you remember that? Um, I'd like to hear how her life's been going since the overnight fame. What I imagine are the incredible royalties. I'm proud of her. I'm happy for her uh you know got us in solidarity with the females if we're talking males i'm going count chocula i, I if I, I want a reputation era in cereal form i think we could have a good brooding time together i like chocolate milk um i've always wanted to go to transylvania i when i was young i thought it was made up because of dracula like genovia but it's a real part of romania and i feel like my impression of romania is distorted because of um the the kind of nbc packages they would make about the where the good gymnasts were from in the 90s during the summer olympics they would make it look dire and even if it was dire i don't know it was a different geopolitical time i guess but i remember them talking about the romanian gymnast and the chinese gymnast and there was like this kind of agreed upon knowing that they were way too young to be there and that they had no resources and gymnastics was their life and it now looking back i'm like god there's so much air of abuse in in gym, usa gymnastics as we now know to come to fruition but in, in the sport in general like so many issues and anyways i'm getting off track serial mascots yeah um down down with count jocula I, i've always wanted a friend crew so i like snap crackle and pop could be chill um i'm not interested in toucan sam i'm not super interested in like i like sugar smacks and golden Crisp, but i find their mascots to be uninspired Tony the Tiger definitely, like, says things like leg day. I don't want to sail away with Captain Crunch. I do like Captain Crunch, but I don't like that it's not Captain. And um, I don't know if it's made of sandpaper, thumbtacks, whatever it is, but when I eat it, it does shred the top of my mouth in a way I can only liken to an Oots uh, tub of cheese balls. Um, Let's see, who else is there? Uh, the raisin Brand sun would just be patronizing. The barometric pressures of it all—you guys know—I hate when I wake up and people say like, "It's so nice outside," and I'm like, "Okay, that's rude." I—I I, I have eyes, and you're just pressuring me to go outside, and I just want to watch te- television. Like, is that so wrong? Um, let's see. Okay, I recently found myself on Quaker Education TikTok, and this is so incredibly deeply ignorant. I'm sharing it with you because I'm—I'm I'm forever learning. I grouped, I think because of Pennsylvania, I grouped Quaker. I remember, I don't know, when I we learned about, like, when people immigrated to Pennsylvania in, like, the 1600s for religious freedom. Like the Pennsylvania Dutch, right? Which is Amish, Mennonites. I'm forgetting who else. They're, like, pacifist religions. I grouped Quaker in there. But actually, that it's not the same at all. And Quakers are pretty progressive. And I don't know why in my head um, that they, they all were kind of grouped in the same uh, types of ideology. But when I was watching these videos about, like, Quaker education, I was riveted because – and, and I, I sincerely apologize. I know nothing about this faith, uh, this group, and I don't mean to speak out of turn – but what I mean is I was impressed by what I was hearing and people in a sea of TikToks that just go to town on how awful boarding schools are. People that went to Quaker boarding schools had these incredibly positive experiences and talk about how uh, Quaker – is it Quakerism? – is is very socially responsible. The the emphasis at school is on like um, uh, like experiential learning, on service – on on social responsibility. It's like equal parts academically rigorous and socially responsible. And they believe that like, they don't have pastors or priests because they believe that everyone talks to God and everybody has this inner light. Um, And their entire philosophy is about tolerance and openness. And they're really prioritized diversity of beliefs and their campuses are very religiously, racially, culturally, socioeconomically diverse because they don't, like, seek to convert people. They don't proselytize. They, they um, actually seek for their campuses to be only a small portion of the student body being Quakers themselves. And they gather for, like, worship meetings and just sit in silence. And so at these like allegedly religious like boarding schools that are Quaker, it's just like quiet reflection and worship and praise and believe in whatever you want, but respect every. I was like, what? I loved it. I was uh, I really loved everything it stood for. And um, I don't know if I'm reading like hearing about something hyper selective, but I was impressed. And um, long story short, I think I would like to hang out with the guy from the Oatmeal. <laughs> Can I just read you something I just googled? I was like, am I crazy to – it says the hallmark of the Quaker school experience is the basic belief that we are all teachers and learners and that each child has a unique gift and talent. The Quaker guy must be an Enneagram for. Students are called upon to discover their own voices and interests within the framework of rigorous college preparatory academics. The foundation of the educational experience is built upon the idea that students – Quality of character, what kind of people they are becoming is as important in their lives into the world as their intellectual growth and exploration. I'm really worried about our future and the people in politics and in leadership positions and like the level of of, uh, moral bankruptcy and shamelessness a person has to even tolerate being in these positions just means our leadership is like doomed to be filled with people we don't want. And I also think people are going to be very scared of being canceled because... Per the point and shoot of it all, time is never wasted. When you're wasted all the time, 94 photo, point and shoot, mobile upload, you hope you have untagged but the pictures still live there somewhere. You know, there's so much unflattering crap of us all out there from when we were young and totally different that can and will be held against you. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're looking at down the pipeline leadership wise. Uh, point being, I am here for the foundation of quality of character being just as important as your, what you do and your intellectual growth. Um, and I guess final point being, yes, indeed, it is a tie between Count Chocula and the Quaker guy. <laughs> Hi, Kate, longtime
0: listener, first time caller. I'm calling for some advice. I have a friend that I've been friends with since high school who recently got into an MLM for hair care products. And she's she just opened her own salon a few years back, and me and some other girls from high school have been going and supporting her salon. And honestly, it's a bit more than I would pay for at other salons, even though it's, you know, it's in Chicago, but still, it's, you know, at least 50 to to $100 more than I could, would pay elsewhere. But I do it in support of her. But now she's really pushing these hair care products that she's selling for this MLM, and she's saying, oh, this isn't for that, um, you know, it's just a way to grow my business, I really want your support. She pressured a friend who's currently at unemployment to do it, and this friend is struggling because you buy, you get like a deal on your initial one, and then they set you in for three more orders of $90. So I'm trying to help this other friend, but it's just getting to the point where Every time I see her, every time she looks at my Instagram story, she is messaging me about this hair care product and what she could be doing for me. And it's getting aggressive. And she's also taking it personally that I do not want to join, you know, and get stuck in this, like, cycle of having to buy these hair care products. And I just don't know if this is the point where I should maybe stop going to see her for my hair or you know, but that would definitely set their ties with this relationship that we've had for 15 years. But I don't know, like, how do I go about saying like, hey, I love you, I'm supporting you in the best way that I can by supporting your small business, but I, I'm not willing to do an MLM. I just don't know how to go about that because i feel like i've already said that and it still just continues on i'd appreciate any advice that you have with dealing with people in these types of companies
1: thank you love the podcast bye oh my gosh guys these friends whoa <laughs> it's it's also complicated right um i i i'm not i'm not being facetious when i say this have you said no N-O. Like, no. I think what you said, you say just that. Like, I'm supporting you the best way I can. I love you. I am not interested in this. No. And if she persists saying, you know what? It's a no for me right now. Send her a Randy Jackson. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I hate hate memes. I really, I'm just not. I'm so over memes. Uh, or I guess gifs in this case, rather remember when Facebook was only gif reactions and I was like, we get it. This little girl's looking, you know, evil toward the camera. Oh, there's a fire going on behind her, but can you tell me how you feel with your words? Um, anyway, uh, I think that if the sh- you say no and N-O, oh, and she still pressures you, you just say nothing's changed. If and when I'm interested or this opportunity works out for me, I'll tell you, but don't feel like you need to check back in, uh, because it's just, it's not going to work out for me right now. And the the thing with MLMs is this girl is being like horrendously manipulated by her upline and, um, there's saying no means no, which is just a problematic underlying messaging of the MLM industry. And I, assume, like if you, she owns a salon, you don't work in hair care, Right. So does it even make sense for you to join her with this amazing opportunity to be your own boss? Like I I I totally get you wanting to be polite and you're so kind and well-intentioned and supportive of your friend. I think the first step is no in some format, just no. Uh shutting down the follow-up with I already told you I'm not interested. I love you and support you the best way I can with my with your salon and want to continue to do that. But uh for now, the answer is no. If and when I'm interested, I'll be the one to tell you. So don't feel like you need to check back, sort of thing. And if it still persists beyond that, and you have to venture into severing ties and not going to the salon, honestly, it's warranted because I don't, I, I, I don't appreciate people that bulldoze boundaries. Um, no means no, as it relates to consent, and as it relates to MLMs, I don't want to pander or uh, give in to this sort of mentality they preach that. They somehow know what's better for your life, your money, your income and what you want to do than than you do. Like people, your friends need to listen to you and your friendships don't need to become about business. And there's some sort of issue or scarcity or pressure she's dealing with that makes me empathize to a degree. But I do think um, if you don't set a boundary, a pretty hard and fast boundary soon, it's not going to get better. And then it's going to have to end with severing the friendship. So I would just put your foot down in a way you're comfortable. And when she follows up, remind her, you put your foot down and say, the ball's in my court. I know that. I know this opportunity is available available to me. I will follow up if and when it's right. Um, And if it goes much farther than that, I would take it as a sign of genuine disrespect of your friendship and the boundaries that you requested if you need to pepper in, you know, just, I, I totally get why you want to do this and you believe in this product. This is your industry and vocation. This is not my job. I have another job. I can't really add another thing to my plate. The answer is still no. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely believe in being polite, but also in being straightforward. And this is something I've worked on throughout life because I feel like I've often chosen polite and, uh, in the, in kind of chosen to be polite over being honest as if those were conflicting ideals. Um, but I think it's important to keep it brief, to not overexplain explain as so as to assume guilt um, and to just be clear and don't like avoid the subject, put it off, ignore them, blah, blah, blah. Just be consistent. Like there's got to be a point where you hear the same response every time. And if you give the same response every time and put your foot down and those boundaries are being ignored, you have your answer. And this is just not a friendship you need right now. Like, I, 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 here, I'm empathetic to people being pressured, and I think the manipulative tactics of MLMs are so messed up. I'm, like, stuck in my chair. Hold on. Ow. Ow. Um, ow. Yikes. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. On the one hand, like I, I empathize with people being pressured in dire financial situations. I think your friend was preyed on and is continuing to be. And But my empathy for that at a point is not counteracted by my desire to – For that behavior to have consequence, I think that at a point of boundary pushing and not listening to you saying no, it's almost like you can flip the argument on its head. Like, I so appreciate you wanting to be my own boss and empower me, but it feels really like um, degrading and dismissive to ignore me saying no. Like, it's, it's, it's the whole thing is just so ridiculous to be painted as feminism. It's so sick to me and I hate it so much. But anyways, I get that you want to be nice. Just be consistent and I think you'll be good um and if her behavior ultimately has to have consequence and that's what it takes it takes for her to snap out of this incredibly manipulative situation then so be it and i'm sorry if you have to be the one that breaks that but the mlms destroy friendships and it's so upsetting but at least you can be honest you know that's like the least you can do for her if there's an ounce of you that empathizes honesty is the big thing here or else she's going to waste her efforts on you over and over and over again right you're a good friend honestly that's like a weird situation I never thought of. It's like feeling like you have to go to somebody's business or salon. That's like one of the perks of moving far away from home. I have a lot of like friend, adult friends in Chicago, but none that I have like 15 years of loyalty to that I'd like really screw over if I did something else. Anyway, um, I hope that was helpful. Probably not, but at least you have the option of a great business opportunity. <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
0: laughs> hey, Kate, this is Erica, and I just have a quick pop culture question for you. So I'm not sure if you've heard of this Instagram account, but it's called Deux Moi. It's spelled D-E-U-X-M-O-I. And it's kind of like this grassroots TMZ kind of Instagram page. Um, You can email in your celebrity sightings or blind items. And I just find it so fascinating. And I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on it, if you've heard of it. Um, your opinion on celebrity blind items. Um, so yeah, can't wait to hear your thoughts. Love the show.
1: Yes, yes, of course, I'm familiar. Um, so Dumois, like it's it's so entertaining. it's a it's a really good idea. It kind of democratized this like celebrity press sightings, paparazzi to make it about like who on foot like boots on the ground is seeing people out and about, people that have had interactions with celebrities. One thing I will say, like, because at first it was giving me anxiety because to post anything anybody submits, like, there's 10 million reasons why people would have an agenda and shit talk somebody else and or their publicity would leverage an account like this to, you know, promote or say somebody did something good. But I do appreciate that they will post directly um, opposing theories about people, like – if somebody goes hard and says something about somebody and then somebody else submits being like, that's not true at all. They're the nicest person ever. They'll post both, which I do appreciate because like I talked about earlier with the Kaler thing, I don't like when things seem conspiratorial and that the person's way more interested in uh, like defending something they did or their perspective than actually just share, like sharing what they're getting, sharing their, you know, these everyone's different version of the truth. I don't see how that, is legal. Like I, I, I feel nervous for them that that somebody's gonna come after them at some point. But even celebrities seem to know, like, be super familiar with them and pay really close attention. Are you kidding me? If I was famous, I would. Yeah, I'd be like, spotted Kate at the Lincoln Park Home Goods, trying to argue for a discount off an end table because one of the legs is wobbly. What a bitch! And like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. But like, freaking, if the leg is wobbly, whatever. So. <laughs> Somebody, one of my friends told me that they think it's like the other, not Allie Hilfiger, but the other girl from Rich Girls. Remember that show on MTV? I don't know. Honestly, I don't really think it really matters who it is because to their credit, they have been made making it about like it. I feel like a lot of times those types of accounts start being about other people. And that's why they're interested. And then it like centers more back to the creator. Which I think is what happens because these things get time-consuming when they get popular. You need to make money, and it feels more sustainable to monetize something kind of based off your persona. But they've like say totally blind, done merch, grown like crazy. Haley Bieber at one point was like, "I figured out who Dumois was." Do you remember that? <laughs> I'm kind of into Haley Bieber. I like her street style. I like her nail color. Um, it's very similar to an Olive and Jude nail color, actually. I should tell you which one it is that I'm wearing right now. Um, I. Yeah, I think it's a cool account. I think that inevitably these things shift over time. I was really into like peak crazy days and nights era until I felt like he got too into his own celebrity in a sense Um, because he did have a lot of interesting information. A lot of his stuff would come true. But then when you try to make it a content house, I think like at a point you kind of run out of blind item stuff to say, and then it just got a little outlandish. And I do feel like sometimes the people that share a celebrity scoop have like an alternate agenda or like secretly hate people. And that's why they have so much scoop and they talk really badly about the same people all the time. Um, the only thing I struggle with, with Demois is like, I, I don't, uh, it's, it's one of those accounts that I go through when I have like a minute to sit down because I want to tap through and read everything. So I'll kind of save it. But then when I don't go through it, I miss a lot. And they use a lot of acronyms and, inside jokes and like i feel like i've gotten a little bit behind on understanding the lingo but anyways i think it's really interesting account i if i were a celebrity and people and people were allowed to submit fake stuff about me and then blast it i'd be like super upset but at the same time to their credit i think they try to be pretty fair um and i have like mixed feelings because i get so nervous about anything i say or do on here and people like come at me Um, if they, like, if I don't have a favorable opinion toward them, which is something I'm like legally allowed to do is like have an opinion on the things people create that is part of their vocation where they're monetizing my eyeballs. I can't imagine the people that come after them. So anyway, I'm a fan. I think it's, it's a cool way to democratize celebrity gossip as long as it's used responsibly. And yeah, thanks for your question.
0: Hi, Kate. I know you've spoken at length about otherworldly kind of spiritual coincidences, But I'm wondering if you believe in and have any experiences with tarot card readers. Have you and would
1: you ever see one for a
0: reading? And do you think
1: it's real? Thanks so much. Bye. So I've had very mixed experiences with tarot card readers. Like I'm not opposed to intuitive things. I do think there's a spectrum of... Um intuition that humans fall on, and I almost see that what people observe and what energy they can absorb, whether they see it or hear it. or I, I think people are like tuned to different frequencies, kind of like an AM or FM radio. And I don't think that every single person that's like claims to be a psychic or tarot card reader is a charlatan. Like maybe I'm too idealistic. I can't live in a world where somebody would devote their entire life, especially like the young ones. Like the Tyler Henrys of the world confuse me. I'm like, who decides at 12 they want to like dupe the world for eternity like once you say you're a psychic or you talk to the dead you can't back down and as a parent i would be like so so cautious and careful and i don't know go through hoops to make sure that there was a reason this seems legitimate and collect a lot of data cuz i just it's you're you're playing with it's it's so deeply unethical to claim that you can help and heal people and talk to their loved ones if you can't and like i just can't i don't i don't understand a world where i know a ton of people fake this but i don't think everyone right because you hear stories that are like pretty crazy um i've had a i've had a couple tarot card readings that i think were pretty good but they weren't a lot of tarot card stuff is kind of like numbers and telling you what will happen when and like i had one that with career stuff was really accurate, but with like personal life stuff really wasn't with like when I'd have kids and stuff. And, but then it's also like, they told me I was going to have kids way earlier than I thought I would. And so it's like, well, did I interrupt my own future based on that advice? You know, probably not. Cause I didn't put that much stock into it. I've had a few tell me like the same things, but I, I don't know if they tell everyone this, like they'll always say you have like a cracked like a third eye cracked open. Like if you wanted to do more intuitive work or like pursue, um, not like being a psychic or anything, but I don't really know what, uh, it's weird. I it's something that they've said about my cracked third eye and I actually don't really even know what it means, but I think it's like having to do with like my interest in connecting with people and being sensitive and being like, ex- I hate when people say they're empaths, I, uh, but um, I'm I'm just like hypersensitive to energy is all. Like I just really, like I'll walk out of a restaurant, if I just feel off, oh, searching for housing and apartments is a nightmare for me. Cause when I walk into a home, I like it, I, I am overcome with like a sensation of like, I can see myself here or I can't. This is good energy or this is bad energy. These are things I don't talk about a lot cause they're very woo woo and they don't really align with a lot of the, I don't like when other people talk about themselves and like a, a, a super empathic energy sensing way because it seems like kind of like oh well I'm just really like I care extra about people it's like everyone cares everyone reads energy everyone gets vibes I guess I just don't really have a frame of reference for how how vibes dictate my life over other people and I've noticed like with my husband that at restaurants like when we sit down especially when we're in a group I can tell if it's off if we're in a bad seat, if it's not going to be good and I'll just like want to leave and go somewhere else. And it really it's it's such an annoying habit. But I will say we always end up in a better position and not like forcing ourselves to pay through something we don't really like. If I get a bad vibe from like a server, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but like I just uh, energy is so distracting to me that I have to uh, address it like right when I get somewhere and adjust it to where it feels like even And, um, anyways, I felt, I I, I hate, I sound so stupid. Um, I feel like I've had intuitive people like kind of, uh, make me feel less crazy for that. Um, and I will say I went to one in January, 2018 and like peak depression, misery. I started the podcast in February, 2018. Um, I actually, story for a different day. I, 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 ended up going to a tarot card reader for the first time because, When I was really having a tough time in like the mid 2010s with my career and stuff, um, I was experiencing like a high volume of coincidences and signs. And this weird stuff kept happening, especially between my sister and I that like to this day, I'll still never understand. And one of the the weird coincidences was the woman I met who was on that Netflix show that I talked about on Aelsa's episode. Because the thing she had been through, I had coincidentally stayed up the night before and read cover to cover a like 400 page book about um uh, hip, uh regressive therapy through hypnosis it was something I had never heard of before and I got obsessed with it for one night deep dove it woke up told Greg all about it he's like okay whatever um and then we went to a cooking class because I was like trying to do things so I was depressed and we sit, sit, stand across from this couple and I'm like hey how are you what do you do and she was like well I flatlined for 37 seconds and The way I was able to process it and get through the trauma was through this thing called uh, regression therapy through hypnosis. She had, like, worked with the doctor whose book I had read the night before. And literally this was never on my radar, like, ever. And it was, like, stuff like that that I'm like, what's happening? And then I would tell my sister about it. And I told my sister about these two books because she was struggling. And um, I think I called her the next day. And she was traveling through the, the literal middle of nowhere. I told her about these two books and that they kind of gave me peace about like life and the meaning of life and how weird this coincidence was. And there's so much more to this story. That's like deeply coincidental and weird. Um, and I also ran into this woman another time at the only, only time I've ever in Chicago been to a sur la tabla. So I've only, like, I don't go, I don't cook. I don't clean. <laughs> I, I, I really don't go to kitchen stores, cooking classes, like, if you know me, you know, like, this just so far out of my realm of interest. And the only two times I've run into this woman were at a cooking class and then at a Sur La tabla because I was buying something because my friend was having a lemon themed birthday party. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, yes, yeah, so I read that book cover to cover randomly, went to a cooking class, met this woman who had written a book and like was deeply involved with this sort of therapy. Um, and then I told my sister about these two books that gave me peace. If she wanted to look into them, wanted something interesting to read. She was in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky, um, at a client site and goes to a Barnes and Noble, I think to get coffee. Cause the only Starbucks was, like in a bookstore and facing outward on a shelf, like in the front were those two books. And one of them was written in 1983. Like they're just not new books or bestsellers. Like, and they were both facing outward And the 37 seconds. One is definitely a smaller print, Um, and it just stuff like that, that that kept happening. And I, and I didn't know why I still don't really understand why. And, um, anyway, so that's kind of why I initially went to a tarot card reader. And, um, I think I've been in the past few years, maybe three or four times, all have said something about me having like a cracked, um, third eye and being intuitive, um, have like affirmed that I'm like with the right person. I'm with a good person, have, Said, like, you know, you've been hurt twice pretty badly and one you think about a lot, which is accurate. Um, Think about a lot not because I'm not over but because I'm, like, kind of just uh, frustrated by it, it feeling like it robbed me of a lot of my, like, joy in youth being, like, so heartbroken. Um, And a lot of the stuff with, like, kids and timing was wrong, like I said earlier, um, but the one thing that, uh, stuck with me, that's pretty vague. And I don't, I don't, I think anybody could have done this probably, but I do remember sitting down, it was January, 20, uh, 18. I started the podcast in February, 2018. I was in peak like depression, misery and, um, like January in Chicago is tough stuff. And, uh, as soon as I sat down, they're like, do you work for yourself? And this was before I had like an, an Instagram following, like any of that. And I, uh, think I used Greg's last name. Um, and I was like, yeah, they're like, okay, I can tell you're like an entrepreneur, a small business owner, just like I'm telling you right now, like, don't go back to a corporate job. Like you'll, you were meant to work for yourself. You will always work for yourself. Don't panic about money. You will have money. Um, and I was like, Whoa, that was a lot like (laughs) like right off the, right out the gate. And, um, at the time I was I was trying so hard to get a corporate job and wasn't getting hired anywhere and I had friends like everywhere because of my program at at Nielsen like my friends were at Facebook and Google and Pinterest and like had all the connections and I had all the references in the world and felt like I had just taken on the world building this company from scratch but I realized like I, I anyways you guys know the story um but I wasn't getting hired anywhere and I just was like so deeply frustrated at this point. This is right before I got a book deal. And this is right before I started the podcast when things kind of started to come together because behind the scenes, I was back to basics just doing this stuff. I loved like writing poems and talking about pop culture and leveraging the English language in different ways. I felt like I had a command on it. Um, And uh, anyways, the, I just remember the person being like, don't get a corporate job. You'll always work for yourself. You need to stop panicking about money. And um, once you've, once you're able to com- combine your professional experience, your corporate job, what you've learned working for yourself, um, and like some of your uh, skills with like communication, she said, and like communication and language or something. Once you can bridge that with like your natural inclination to read energy, to um, give advice, to want to connect with people. Uh, like once you can kind of capture what's unique about you as a sensitive person and bridge that with your professional experience, you'll like hit the jackpot. And on the one hand being like, combine your hard and soft skills. It's like, well, duh. Uh, but it, it also was like at the time I was frustrated by it, but I wrote an iPhone note just in case. And then later that year when I was doing the podcast, I was like, wait, this is kind of exactly what she was describing. I I don't know if I've hit my jackpot, but I've hit my favorite part of my career ever and I love this job so deeply and as I sit here doing a Kate Lila episode it is kind of an interesting combination of um my background and in media analytics um entrepreneurship paired with my natural interest in giving people advice and connecting with other people especially women and um yeah so I don't really know if that was something or if that was a coincidence but Um, she also said four is my lucky number, which I'd argue nine is my lucky number. And then secondly, I'd be excited if 13 was my lucky number just because of me and Taylor. Um, but she said like 2014, uh, like a four on 14, which that is when I started be there in five. And that was like a really exciting, cool year for me. And then, um, 24, like when I was age 24, which like kind of was my peak, uh, just looks wise, not, (laughs) and then 34, but I'll be 34. Next, I mean, in, I'll, I turned 34 in um, September, so I don't know. Maybe next year's my uh, my big break. I'll, I'll report back if I sell my back catalog like Joe Rogan. Um, and both times they told me not to bring something valuable on a group trip, and I was like, what? So I never forgot that either, and I didn't. That's where I'm confused. It's like, does it tell you your fate independent of decision, or do you have the ability to dictate it? Anyways, good question. I... Yes, I have been. I maybe believe some of it. I've had interesting coincidences that I don't know how to feel about, and I should go back sometime. If anybody is a good person in Chicago, let me know. A lot of um, listeners that do intuitive work have reached out, but, like, it's it's too you guys if you listen to this you literally know everything about me and i feel like it's gotten to a place where it's a little hard to do stuff like this because i just so much of my life and information's out there that i would forget i said or did and then i'd be blown away by what you um so it would take somebody saying something that i've never said on air or i don't know i don't know i'm interested maybe i'll I'll try to find somebody random and report back
0: hi kate this is and I am planning a birthday party for my eight-year-old and we were able to rent out the roller skating rink and my husband and I are so excited. My eight-year-old is kind of excited, but um, we can pick the music and they said that we can burn a CD and bring a CD in because they do not have the capabilities to stream or we can tell them music to play. So I already asked the best on Facebook and they Give me some really good ideas, but I thought I would check with you and see what would be your top five roller rink songs that I should play at my daughter's birthday party. Thanks. Bye.
1: I love this question so much. This is a fun note to end on. I think I'm going to answer more questions on Patreon later. Um, Like what I'm, I'm so mad because the first image that pops in my head is freaking Jessica Simpson and her really honestly not good song, public affair. It's a public affair. I would sooner listen to Where You Are featuring Nicola on repeat. I would listen to her guttural screaming in uh, her cover of uh, Angels than listen to A Public Affair. It just wasn't my favorite, but it was in a roller rink. And it, the funny thing is when you said that, my mind first just goes to music videos like A Public Affair. And then I'm like, Mandy Moore's Candy. And I'm like, wait, no, that was a half pipe. But then I'm like, what else? Al- what else? Oh, I was thinking Beyonce. Remember when she came out with that music video album? I mean, the one that had Beyonce on it, which is like my, the best song ever, and it's like two minutes long, and I just wish it was 20 minutes long. Oh, no, the song she did, it, she did a music video on roller skates. It was blow. Never mind. <laughs> Not for an eight-year-old's birthday party. Oh, Fantasy. Mariah Carey was a music video on roller skates. Oh, when you walk. Bye, every night. I love fantasy. You have to play fantasy just because I think it's universal. But beyond music videos, what first comes to mind, besides Bethany Frankel as Roller Girl on Halloween, um, <laughs> is like jock jams. Like, I feel like jock jams for me were born uh, on, on the rink. And when I say the rink, I mean the um, carpeted bench on the side because I, I have tiny weak ankles and I'm really bad at roller skating, ice skating, and rollerblading. Um, unfortunately, I love the... Um, I love the kind of nostalgia and element of Americana that is encompassed by a roller rink, the Chuck E. Cheese like prizes, the neon like paint splatter pattern so often on, on the carpet, um, when the lights would get low and just like bowling after dark, you know, black lights come on and glow sticks abound. Uh, I love the romance of holding hands in a couple's dance. I love the sheer physical comedy of a chicken dance. I hate that song. Don't play that. Don't put your daughter through that. She deserves better. Um, I feel like, "Eh, eh, eh, let me see you tootsie roll like that. Like, I like to move it, move it. Kind of the songs I played at my live show. Um, I actually have a playlist called YMZIU Soccer of, might still be secret that I meant to put live on Spotify. Um, I mean, let me just play some of it. Like, you'll you'll know all of these. But I I do feel like this works uh, for a roller rink. I mean, it's so good. Oh, a, a little too much probably.
0: It takes to make a right.
1: <laughs> I figure most people don't make it this far in the episode, so let's just uh, get on hinge like Taylor Swift's vault this morning. Um, I really like pump up the jam. Pump the GM, gym. <laughs> Um. Oh, this is your night. Are you guys not drinking right now? Are you not taken back to the rink? Um, but I also feel like um, Ace of Base is very roller rink. I saw the sign. I feel like uh, TLC and salt and Peppa. No, no, no. I'm singing of Labouche. Um, Want to be my lover? Did I play that on jock dams earlier? I don't remember. Um, sorry, I'm being so annoying. I think that Quad uh, City DJs come and ride the train makes a lot of sense, too. Anything where there's, like, a train situation, probably... Um, anytime I say probably, I hope you know I'm kidding. My husband says it all the time as a joke because we hate when people say things like probably and supposedly, but then you say them as a joke, but then they become part of your vernacular. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I don't know. Does any of that help? Probably not, but I, you know, I just want to make one more case for fantasy. I mean, are you kidding? The build, the build, the beat drop. Calvin Harris could never. album is so important daydream 1995 track one fantasy track three one sweet day featuring boys to men track five always be my baby just like i fell for a roller rinks and fantasy i fell for tree swings and always be my baby that is the sweetest video and the sweetest song and tugboat's looking at me right now and he will always be my baby um i just this is one of my first albums did i neglect where i carry on my early playlists there's so much music i love I think the latter months of my Spotify thing, I'm just gonna go and do a sweep and be like, this is all the this is the music I listen to all the time and love, and I can't put a theme to it. <laughs> um, I'm working on an like all time playlist of that's like right and tight of 15 songs that I think are just like deeply important, and only one of them is Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift, but I, I can't do I can't do multiples artist wise on that one. Oh, and I haven't made a Taylor Swift playlist, guys. Guys, a lot to do. Oh, wow. We're two, over two hours. I got to got a jet. going to finish some of these questions right now, but just put them on Patreon after I post this episode. Thank you again for your patience. I've, I legitimately hate when this doesn't come out on Thursday. My goal is never inconsistency. It's so unprofessional. Um, a part of the gig of not having an agency and like a formality of the process and me doing all this work is that my life is hugely contingent upon when this can come out. So, um, I just, yeah, I appreciate you guys and I hope you have an awesome weekend. And if you're having similar anxiety about the world opening up, if you're not sure where to go or what to do, I hear you when I see you and just listen to yourself and your needs. And if you're feeling weird about going out, don't feel like you have to push it. Wait till it feels natural. I mean, there's still rising rates in Chicago. Like we're not in the clear yet. We still got to be careful and look out for each other and, and more importantly, look out for ourselves. I think that anytime we're amidst an extreme level of uncertainty There's so much pressure to not care, to be used to it, um, to think yourself out of it. But I think we've all learned that that's not the way uh, to approach things. I think it's so important that you follow your gut and your instinct and if social things are making you uncomfortable and you're not there yet, you're not there yet. And uh, all I'm looking forward to is a day when we can all be together again and I don't know. I just like wanna have an outdoor show somewhere And like, you know, maybe I'll tell a joke or two, but mostly just play songs from lover. (laughs) Pretend it's lover fest. I don't know. Um, Because like, even if scheduling shows and stuff, they're not doing meet and greets. And I'm like, well, that sucks. That's like the best part, getting to talk to people. Um, Slash my adrenaline hangover after shows is so bad because I'm so deeply terrified of disappointing people in person. Can you imagine listening to hours of somebody and thinking like they're cool and then meeting me and like, I suck. It, I give, it, It's a funny thing where I have a lot of anxiety because I want to be on the roads about and meet people, but I also know the come down from that is so bad because I worry so much about people not liking me. It's it's a real journey. Life is a road and I want to keep going. Love is a river. I want to keep flowing. In the end, I want to be standing at the beginning with you. I love th- that song from Anastasia. Anastasia? Anyway, you guys, um, hope you have an awesome weekend. Uh, go to patreon.com slash be there and five for more content i did a i've actually done a lot the past couple weeks i did like a first listen in my pajamas i bought off of chris jenner from kardashiancloset.com because they're the only thing i could afford but i quite like them for her song you all over me um and i did something else what else oh i talked about my like trilogy obsession <laughs> oh i forgot about that but there's all sorts of things on there, from Mary Kate and Ashley deep dive to Anna Delvey to videos of me reacting to every one of Taylor Swift album drops, to videos of me and Kelly to Kelly and I's deep career discussion. That actually is so good, I wanted to make it a regular episode, but kind of held off. Um, but yeah, and then that's how you have access to the Powerpoint parties. Oh my God, the Powerpoint party on Tuesday was really good. Um, we went over like NFTs, Gossip Girl fashion. Like how to quit your job, stand up for yourself, what to do at work. Uh, a listener named Corey gave like all these incredible resources um, for like job hunting and for figuring out when the right time is to go. Uh, and just it was very like empowerment. Uh, it was a very empowering uh, presentation. We also talked about um, Seventh Day Adventists. An awesome listener named Carly presented uh because i i've brought them up intermittently on the podcast but i don't know much about them besides besides uh, aside from mrs kim from gilmore girls but you know i love talking about religion um anyway uh, that playbacks on patreon.com/be so there in five if you can leave five stars that would change my life that's how people chart is like new subscribers and reviews and uh share if, if you like this share it on your story that'd be cool if you're private send me a screenshot I get a little behind on dms because sometimes i'll post a video that just makes everyone really mad and then i lose everything like yesterday i posted a video of this there's a weird video of all these new moms with very young babies holding them in weird ways and their names were wild and like I, I had like a thousand dms being like that kid's name is rogue people were so furious and then people were telling me about the names in their classes and i don't know somebody said that there's a kid named rage in their child's kindergarten class and i was like his name is rage oh lord um Anyway, you guys, uh, so I always try to get to them, uh, but you know, working on it, uh, you can contact me at podcast to be there and five.com merch is available at be there and five.com. Just go to shop. We're working on an exchange and return policy now. Cause right now we just said like no returns because it's just me and Courtney. And I don't know, we, as you know, we had to drop out of like the bigger engagement, which had really good customer service. And now we are just trying to figure out the best way to do this um so please be patient with us uh yeah we have such cute merch and fun like mugs and um the tote bags are sold out some of the reminder mats are sold out but you know just take a gander and yeah hopefully you'll come back next week love you so much as always let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine I'll be there in five I swear